Hey there, guys, and welcome back to the Travis and Damien Podcast, episode 121. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and more. Today, we are going to talk about the general gaming news and entertainment news, but also we are going to be talking about the Nintendo Direct, My Adventure to Superman, the Disney Plus Ahsoka show, and more. But as usual, we are going to jump into our recent activities. So I will go first. Uh, I've been watching a movie. I've been playing a lot of games. Uh, so first up, I watched Don't Worry, Darling. This was the uh, controversial movie from last year featuring Florence Pugh and Harry Styles, I think, acting debut or something like that. Uh, right. There's a whole lot of drama surrounding the press of it. There's a lot of weird stuff going on behind the scenes, apparently, uh, with Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles. But I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about, was the movie actually dog shit? Um, <laughs> and it kind of was, but it's not like a one-star movie. I would say like a two and a half at best, in my opinion. It's not, uh, you know, like as bad as people say it is. It definitely has a lot of interesting things going on, but do those interesting things really mean anything in the grand scheme of things for the film? My opinion, not really. Um, I think it was trying to go for, you know, some like shock value, sort of like big story twist towards the end. And I was just like, all right, like I get it, but it wasn't necessarily something that I was really super into. I mean, Florence Pugh is definitely like the highlight of this movie because she is like the best actor within this film. Uh, Obviously there's like other big, you know, people in the movie as well like chris pine he's like the antagonist if you will quote unquote um and you know he does a fine job as well but you know for the most part it's like she steals the show and literally everyone else is kind of just following suit and the story's a little weird a lot of things are happening it is kind of boring towards the beginning which is why when we got to that twist i was like was this even worth it not really so i mean i saw it on netflix that's why i watched it um, because my girl was like, we should watch it because we were going to see it in theaters. And then the reviews came out and she was like, all right, let's not waste our time with this. So I was like, <laughs> all right, cool. Um, so there's that. Uh, then I've been playing some online games. Obviously, uh, I've been a huge TFT addict. And with the new mid-set update, I want to talk about it. So I've been grinding out this set for like some reason. I don't know why. Uh, I, I just really like playing the set currently. And I managed to hit plat. I think I almost hit plat two before the mid reset which i didn't know that it was going to reset my rank so i was like oh shit um (laughs) but anyways now the new set is out it literally came out yesterday um and they adjusted some units they took some units out they added new ones in uh they also adjusted some items as well added new augments and i think that this tft set as a whole has been like the most interesting and the most fun just because they've done a lot of things to really change it up like with the augments and sort of at the beginning where you choose like how the board is dictated how the game is played for the rest of it um and sort of like that voting system they even added new augments and new things within the game so you could vote on other things that'll happen um but yeah it's a lot of fun you know it's you know just like another auto chess and if you know league of legends it's definitely gonna be a lot easier because you're gonna know what the champions do um and yeah you know obviously it's a brand new set so i don't really know what's like super duper good but you know that's the fun of tft e- even though i'm like in ranked and i'm like fucking like feeding my ass off like trying out new shit that's like the fun of it so you know i'm still having a lot of fun uh playing the set obviously uh, then me and Damien have been playing some Fortnite chapter four yeah, season Fortnite. four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
played some squads earlier this week. Hey, and, we, uh, we won. We've been winning. <laughs> we have been winning, honestly. Uh, and this new set's been kind of fun. I mean, they yeah. just dropped uh, the My Hero update. Yeah, to I go bought Todoroki. So. I, I did buy Todoroki as well, because yeah. I was just like, if I'm going to buy any of these three characters, I'm going to buy him. Because I yeah. didn't buy anything from the last My Hero thing, because I was... I bought all of them. Because <laughs> I was broke. I was like, ah, maybe I'll get All Might when he comes back in the shop. But I think he came back, and I was just like, ah, wait something else and Todoroki came out and you know uh, I think that he, they have his like ice wall in the, yeah. the game as well which uh, I've seen some very interesting clips with it you can actually prevent yourself from taking fall damage with it which was I saw that yeah kind of crazy <laughs> I was like yo what the fuck um but yeah I haven't tried any of that stuff out yet but I think the season as a whole you know it's still Fortnite um they're definitely catering it more towards the no build stuff as we've talked about before with like the whole jungle setting and like the trees and shit like that and you know i'm still not a huge fan of it but you know i'm still enjoying fortnite for what it is i think us playing squads was definitely interesting because i feel like every single time we played squads before it was just a shit show but yeah. i don't know why i i i just really like the chaos when we played it earlier this week i don't know it was just a lot of fun <laughs> it's yeah, squads is like way more chaotic than like duos or um, trios. Like it, mm-hmm. it just it's just a lot. <laughs> um, it doesn't help with the turrets. Like the turrets mm-hmm. are very strong in yes. this, where you can just like deploy this little mini turret and just kill stuff really fast. Uh, but yeah, no, the season's been great. You know, a lot of myst- uh, mythic items everywhere. Um, I, I really like how they did mobility this season, where the rocket ram is like a kind of a good. Um, I guess sort of balance between having no mobility and having some mobility. Cause mm-hmm. I know some people didn't like the hammers and swords cause it was like too much for them. I, I like them, but I know some <laughs> people didn't like that. Yeah. Um, but I thought last season had basically no mobility and that felt kind of bad. Um, this season does give you like an escape with the rocket ramp, but it's not like you can't like fly around everywhere. So I, I think this mm-hmm. is a pretty good compromise for that. Uh, but yeah, overall I think the season has been a lot of fun. I've been enjoying myself a lot. Um, you know, last season, you know, I, I did like a lot of things in it, but um, I don't know. Something about it wasn't, like, doing good for me. But this season has uh, definitely been a lot better. So I, I'm excited to see where they go with the next chapter. I know they're supposed to do some big Lego thing, so that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, but, yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, having a great time. We, we've been winning. We've been winning. We've been doing good. So, yeah. It's some victory royales. Yeah, we got some doves. We got some doves. Then the last thing I've been playing is Alan Wake. I literally started this the day after we finished the last episode of the podcast. I haven't finished it yet. So the next time I talk about it, I will hopefully have finished it. Um, but, yeah, Alan Wake. I am playing the remaster on the PlayStation 5 because I bought it. A few months ago for like ten dollars and i was like i should probably play this before the new one comes out so i decided to start doing that i think i'm now like more than halfway through the game i think i have like two to three episodes left because the way alan and wake works is that there's like an episode format and it literally throws you right into the following episode so you don't have to you know like go back to the main menu and then select the episode literally the game just keeps going until you decide to quit if you will so i've been literally doing like one episode at a time uh, but Alan Wake is a very interesting game. You know, it came out in like 2008, 2010. I forget exactly what year when I looked it up, but it came out around that time. And, you know, the remaster only does so much. You know, it, de- it definitely still looks like that to a certain extent. But, you know, the visuals are definitely a lot nicer than if I were to play it on the original Xbox 360. Uh, but the story is very interesting. It pretty much follows this author writer alan wake he's going through writer's block and he goes to a retreat to sort of clear his mind and hopefully get him to write 
Uh, and weird stuff starts happening. Some supernatural <laughs> stuff start, starts happening. He doesn't exactly know what's real and what's not. Uh, there's like these weird shadow people coming out to attack him. People are dying in front of him. Uh, and the gameplay loop is a lot of fun. You pretty much shine your flashlight at these shadow people, and then after their guard is blocked, after their guard is down, you shoot them. And it's a lot of fun. You know, there's limited resources. There have been times where I literally ran out of ammo and I've had to run from encounters and I. I couldn't like kill them at all uh so that was definitely very interesting i think alan wake 2 is definitely going to play more towards that survival horror aspect yeah. so that's gonna be maybe fun maybe frustrating <laughs> I, I guess i'll find out i haven't watched any new gameplay footage of alan wake 2 but uh just playing alan in wake 1 and just like that gameplay loop is so much fun the many different uh guns the different equipment that you get to sort of you know use like flashbangs uh goddamn i forget what it's called lighters not exactly lighters but you know just like things to make light to help you defeat these enemies is a lot of fun um i definitely want to finish this game and review it before the new one comes out obviously and yeah you know i definitely recommend it to anyone to really try it out you know even though the game is very very old it still holds up somehow like the gameplay loop the story it's all very interesting and a lot of fun and the fact that it is now on the playstation console should definitely make it a lot more accessible to ple- to to people so yeah, my brother's a big fan of, like, Remedy in general. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he, he'd been going through the remaster as well to get ready for Alan Wake 2. Um, I know he does say, like, you know, because Remedy wants to do, like, a whole cinematic universe thing. But I know mm-hmm. Control does tie into Alan Wake. I don't know if how necessary it is to play. I know, like, he shows up in one of the DLCs. But I'm sure, like, it won't be that that important for yeah. Alan Wake 2. But he says, like, if you want the full story, you probably should play Control and stuff. But, um, you know, it's probably not that necessary. Just if you want to get a bigger... I guess grasp on everything, but um, yeah, I've been pretty interested in playing like all the remedy stuff just because my brother's always like been a big fan of it, and mm-hmm. I actually have played Alan Wake like a long time ago, but uh, I never beat it, so I, I probably should do that. But man, there's so many games. <laughs> I, I will get to it. I do want to do it, but uh, probably not for a bit. Yeah. Um, but anyway, for what I've been doing, uh, I, I still I've been playing a lot of Warframe. I've been really addicted to Warframe again. <laughs> um, it doesn't help because. You know, with the next game, you know, Starfield, I, I do want to beat that before all the October stuff comes out. But, um, you know, with my schedule, I, you know, maybe I get maybe three hours, two hours to do something. And, and when I play an RPG, I like to play it for, like, a very long time, like, in a row. Like, I, I like to play, like, six hours uninterrupted, just playing it, having a good time. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't like to be, like, you know, taken out of the experience, put back in, you know. Yeah. know I'm, I'm weird with RPGs and stuff. <laughs> um so I'm just like, okay, I, I'll just play Warframe because it's like something I could just like do and turn off my brain. And it's been so fun. <laughs> I've been having a great time. Um, you know, since I left the game and came back and I have like three years worth of content to go back to, uh, it's been great. Like, I think all the new stuff they added has been super fun. I think they fixed up a lot of the old stuff I wasn't a big fan of and why I quit in the first place. Like, you know, like uh, the whole Railjack thing, which is like this sort of like space missions and shit. Like they weren't good when they came out, but now they're really fun. <laughs> Um, they also just fix a lot more annoying systems that uh, I'm glad they did. Uh, the new stuff they added, um, like they added like a roguelite mode, which is super fun. I've been really enjoying that. Uh, I think the new mission types they've added are also really interesting and fun. Like, so I just remix the standard objectives and make them more interesting. I, th- I think that's been a super fun time as well. Um, yeah, I just been having a great time with Warframe, uh, and it feels good because you know I, I I do love the game. It's been I, I just haven't played it in so long, so it feels good to just really get back into it. So yeah, mm-hmm. Warframe's kind of been my you know the game I just play when I have nothing else to do right now. I'm just I'm just gonna f- play Warframe for, for a little bit. <laughs> so yeah, it's been it's been a great time. I've been really enjoying it. Starfield, all right, Starfield's the big thing. So yeah, Starfield came out. 
Reviews came out everywhere. You know, when, when we first, you know, when all the first reviews start coming out, it's like, it's a 9, it's a 10, it's amazing and shit. Mm-hmm. And then we start getting some detractors. You now, IGN and GameSpot gave it a 7 and stuff, saying, like, yeah, it's okay. Like, it's good, but not as good as it is. And, um, and I think now that the game is out and more people are playing it, I think more people are leaning towards the IGN GameSpot side where it's like kind of like a 7. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of agree. I want to say it's like a 7 to me. I think it's more like an 8. But, um, I guess I could explain why. So I'm going to go the negatives first because I think they're more apparent. Uh, first, if you're playing on PC, the performance is pretty bad. <laughs> um, you know, I <laughs> I have a 2070 Super, which isn't like the best card anymore, which is crazy because I still feel like I'm like, oh, this thing is strong, right? But it's, you know, it's not as strong anymore. <laughs> um, I could really, get, I could get like 40-ish frames if I put everything on low and shit. And it's just not worth it. I ended up just locking it to 30 and making the graphics on, like, medium. So it actually looks pretty nice. And I'm just playing it like that. And, and to be fair, the console versions also run on 30. And I, I saw my brother playing it on the Xbox Series X. And it basically looks the same like that. So I guess it's not the worst thing ever. Um, just put motion blur. I know motion blur is, like, motion blur. But it, it does help <laughs> with frame rates. Like it, make, it, it, like, smooths out the frame. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, if you're playing on anything, if you want 60 frames on this, like, you're going to have to need, like, a 40 fucking 90 to do that. Like... And it shouldn't be like this. Like, the game doesn't look that good to justify <laughs> it, like, being that demanding. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just the creation engine being super old at this point. I don't know if you just don't know how to do things. Um, I, I feel like it's not even using my GPU because using my computer gets, you know, kind of hot when it's playing something. Like, not, like, overly hot, like, the normal amount of hot. But when I touch the side of my computer, it's, like, ice cold. Like, so it's, I feel like it's not even using my GPU. And I checked if it is, and it is. So, I don't know. It just seems to be very CPU dependent and shit, and I don't know why. But, um, yeah, so if you're playing on this on PC, just be aware that it does not run very well. Um, if you have, like, a 1080 or whatever, like, don't don't even try. Like, if you have a 20 card, then maybe. But, uh, yeah. Also, I didn't have DLSS. Uh, it is getting it now, but it only has the AMD version of it. So if you, you know, rely on DLSS to get good frame rate, like, maybe just wait a bit. There is a, a patch. Like, there's a fan-made patch that I've been using that works really well. But there are like officially adding it like at some point so yeah that's good for that but yeah performance wise is not great um the second big thing is space so the space travel this is like a a really big thing for a lot of people and and kind of for me included i I didn't expect to be able to free roam space from one end of the galaxy to the end right like i think that's pretty unrealistic Mm -hmm. i did kind of expect to drive my spaceship around the solar system right like you were fast travel to a solar system you could like sort of like drive around to different planets like fucking you played a crack in time right it's like (laughs) like that's what kind of what i thought it was gonna be but it's not you kind of just pick a node it kind of works like mass effect actually when um you click on a solar system you click on a planet and when you fast travel to the planet, you're in orbit, and that's when you could drive your spaceship around. But it's basically useless. Like, you can't drive to the planet, and you can't drive to the other planets when you're in orbit. You're kind of just stuck in orbit, and that's it. Like, there might be a space battle, or you might or you might see, like, some, like, uh, space station or whatever, but you can't really do anything with your ship that much. Like, it's really limiting. Um, and that kind of really breaks the immersion, and sort of the big thing about Bethesda games is, like, oh, if you see there, you could go to it and shit. Um, this game just has, like, a lot of fast travel, and it really doesn't feel that great to explore stuff just because there's so much fast traveling and everything feels very disconnected and stuff. Um, and that that is kind of a bummer. Like, for me, it's not, like, the biggest deal because I, I mostly care about questing and stuff and all that. But uh, I know for a lot of people, exploration is what makes a Bethesda game a Bethesda game, and I feel like this game really is not the best at that. Mm-hmm. And even when you do touch down on a planet... Um, planets are procedurally generated. So, you know, a lot of the landmarks are, like, basically the same. There's the same outposts, they're the same whatever. The only time a planet feels different if it's a, if it has, like, a city. 
Um, so like New Atlantis, which is like the first main city you go to, feels really cool because there's like a lot of things going on. Um, and whatever other major city hubs. But any other random planet, it basically feels the exact same thing. Um, and, you know, you're just running to landmark to landmark. There's not a lot to see because every planet is kind of the same. Um, <laughs> and every and you don't you don't get like a car once you touch down on a planet. You got to actually run to the fucking landmark. And that could be really tiring if you walk in like 10 minutes without anything really cool to see unless you hit the landmark. And that's pretty dumb. So, yeah, that, that's not great. And th- those are, like, the two major complaints to the game that I've been seeing. And, and I agree. Like, I think all those things are massive bummers. And I think that basically knocks it down from, like, I don't know how people were giving this game a 10. Because <laughs> I, I don't think it is. Or, like, a 9. But I do think the game does save itself by really improving itself over something like Fallout 4. Um, so, like, I didn't like Fallout 4, like, at all. Like, I, I loved Fallout 3 New Vegas. Fallout 4, I felt like really dumbed down the RPG elements a lot, and I just was not a fan of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's more more the gunplay. I didn't really like how the perk system work. I, I really didn't like how you pick dialogue options, where it was just a simple yes, no, and then your main character will talk for you. And, I, you know, that's not a main issue in things like Mass Effect, where you could read exactly what Shepard is going to say. And Mass Effect 4, I mean, in um, Fallout 4, it would just be like <laughs> yes, no, sarcastic yes. And I'm like, what the fuck does any of this mean? Uh, in this game, it goes back to how Fallout 3 and New Vegas did things where you just pick the dialogue and it says everything you want it to say and shit. Um, and I just think the RPG elements are improved from Fallout 4. It's still not as like deep or anything as the older Fallout games or whatever. Uh, but Bethesda RPGs aren't that deep to begin with, so it's fine. So I, I'm, I'm, I just based off that alone, I think that makes it so much better than Fallout 4. I've been enjoying the questing a lot more because I feel like I could be my own character and stuff. Like I'm not like this guy talking for me. I'm like, I'm fucking <laughs> like, why are you doing this? <laughs> Uh, the gunplay is also uh, better as well. I mean, it's still, like, okay. Like, it's not, like, the best, like, fucking first-person shooting ever. But um, uh, I think it is improvement from all the other Bethesda games. You know, Fallout 4 was a very big improvement in combat from all the other games. Um, Starfield is, like, a step ab- above that. So that's cool as well. So, yeah, I've been, I've been enjoying the world. I've been enjoying the quests a lot. Like, I think that stuff is a lot better. And that's what's really important for me in this in these type of games. But I definitely understand a lot of complaints. And I could see how it's getting, like, sevens and stuff now from, like, players that have been playing it a lot more. Just because, you know, it's not really meeting what they thought the game was going to be. But, mm-hmm. all, again, I think it's always important. I don't want to go for a while here. But, you know, nah, it's a good. big game. <laughs> Like, I know for a lot of people, like, these games, like, they have really high expectations for it. Like, look at Cyberpunk, right? Like, Cyberpunk had, like, all these massive expectations. Like, oh, it's going to be, like, GTA, but it's, like, an RPG and shit. All, literally, all I wanted from Cyberpunk was, like, just a pretty decent first-person RPG thing. Something like Fallout 3 New Vegas. And that's basically what I got. Like, I really enjoyed Cyberpunk because I didn't really have all that expectations on it. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with Starfield. All I wanted was an improved, like, Fallout 4. Like, give me Fallout 4, but put the things I liked about Fallout 3 New Vegas into it. And they basically did that. And I'm happy with it. I'm like, yeah, I'm having a good time with Starfield because I didn't have all these giant expectations. But again, I, I'm not really blaming the consumers or anything because, like, that's what they advertised it for, especially the, the spaceship stuff. Like, mm-hmm. they were advertising that, like, it was going to be a big deal for the game and it ends up being, like, maybe 10% of the game. So it really isn't that big of a deal. So that, because <laughs> really, I kind of got caught in that, too. I'm like, I thought the space stuff would be a lot bigger deal than it actually ended up being. But, um, yeah, overall, I am enjoying the game a lot. Like, I, I'm enjoying it way more than Fallout 4, and I, I am having a great time. 
but uh, I could definitely understand how it's pretty disappointing to a lot of people. But either way, I, I don't think it's a bad game, though. I think people are saying, like, oh, this game is bad. I, I, I don't really think it's bad. I just think, like, it's not meeting the expectations a lot of people had for it. But if you go into just wanting, like, Space Skyrim, that's basically what you're going to get. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but I've been having a good time with it. Hopefully I can beat it by the time Spider-Man stuff comes out. We'll see. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I would give updated opinions on that. But, uh, yeah, I, I've been having a good time with it. But I definitely understand the... Uh, the discourse around it yeah very very interesting discourse surrounding starfield but you know yeah it is what it is you know when a big massive game like that comes out especially when it's a bethesda game in my opinion you know people have these weird expectations for it to like still run perfectly and i'm just like it's a bethesda game guys yeah i will say it's not really that buggy so that's nice like there's there's (laughs) bugs there's the funny bethesda bugs and stuff but um it has, I haven't really had any game-breaking bugs, really. So that's nice. And a lot of people have been saying, like, it's, like, the least buggy Bethesda game they've played. Like, it, it definitely is polished uh, to an extent. You know, there's still going to yeah. be funny things going on. So that's good. Um, so if you worry about bugs and stuff, it's fine. You know, uh, I know a lot of games come out really buggy and stuff. Like, you know, I mean, it's, Star Wars Fallen Order was, like, the worst of it because it had a bad PC performance and it was buggy. <laughs> At least this one is kind of yeah. just bad performance. So, yeah. Uh, overall, I, I've been enjoying it. But uh, I guess I'll talk about more when I play more. So, yeah. <laughs> so, next, I have Fiona and Cake. So, this is the spinoff of Adventure Time that they announced, like, a while ago. And so, when they first announced this, I'm like, okay, cool. It's just, like, a cute little spinoff thing. Uh, I'll watch it because I like Adventure Time a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and they basically ended everything with the HBO specials anyway. Like, the last one was really good. And I'm like, okay, that was a great finale to the series. Um, but then more information about this came out being that it was supposed to be TV 14. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, so it's adult rated? That's weird. Um, then I saw the first trailer and it was like, oh, this is not a spinoff. This is just like a sequel series. I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I guess that made me very excited for it. Um, you know, I, I was kind of worried about the TV 14 rating. Cause I know when things do that, it get too overboard with like, like, oh, let's add like a bunch of curses and like blood everywhere yeah. and shit mm-hmm. and it could ruin it. Um, and this really, I think this does it super well. It, it kind of reminds me of like, um, how it just fits the series it's in. Like, so I'm like Samurai, like Samurai Jack was a lot more violent when it went on Adult Swim and stuff, but it kind of fit the tone of that series because, you know, Samurai Jack was right, pretty violent. Like, anytime you cut a bunch of robots, like, all that oil is just blood anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, you know, I think it fit that series really well. And I think the, you know, they, they curse just a little bit. It's not like too extreme. And like, blood makes sense when there has to be blood, like someone gets hurt or like a monster gets killed and it like fits the tone of it really well. They still use the made up curse words that they made up in the original series. So it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's good. I think it has been helping the series more than hurts it. And I, I've been really enjoying it a lot. Um, you know, I think Adventure Time has always been really good at uh, growing up with its audience. You know, I, I watched it when I was like 12, right? Cause it came out in yeah. 2010. Um, and you know, it did a really cool thing, which I like when series do is when the main character sort of grows up in real time. So they don't have to like at Steven Universe did this, I think kind of weird where it's like Steven's voice actor was in physical pain because he he had to keep doing like a 10 year old voice, (laughs) even though he was like 17 with Finn, he was able to just keep using his natural voice because it's just like, oh, just make him grow up with the series. Um, and you know, the series got more, you know, went from more like a, you know, just a fun little thing to be more serious and stuff. And then this series is just like now, like Fiona is like this 20 something year old person and stuff. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) hates job and all that. Uh, she gets easy kite and stuff, you know, stuff happens and, you know, definitely don't watch this if you've never watched Adventure Time before. It's it's definitely like a sequel series. Like you'll be completely fucking lost. Like, like <laughs> it does not explain anything. It's just like, yep, you watch all of this, right? I'm like, yes, I have. So, but yeah, it's been great as a longtime fan. I've been really enjoying it. Um, I'm happy the TV 14 rating was is like nicely used. Like it's not too like, oh, uh, it's not like 
they're just saying fuck or whatever. Like, yeah. If they can't, if they say fuck, I'll let them say one f bomb. <laughs> That'll be funny. <laughs> but like, they're not making it too edgy or whatever. I think that's great. It really fits the tone of the series. And uh, yeah, they have all the original people that made the you know the original series, so it just feels like how it is. So um, yeah, I've been really enjoying it. Uh, really happy with it. All the episodes are like twenty five minutes too, and it's I don't know how many episodes. I think it's like ten. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I I've been having a great time with it. So. Um, Really looking forward to see how this whole thing ends because I, I I don't know if they could do any more with the series. Like after this, <laughs> I, I, w- I would like to see it be over because I, I think they've done like enough. Like I think I don't want them to keep milking it because. Uh, but everything we've been getting after the finale has been really good, so um, I, I won't complain either way. But still, I'd rather let time die good than keep going forever. So, uh, but yeah, I've been really enjoying it. So yeah. Well said. All right, so now we're going to get into the bolster of the show, which is the gaming news. So first up, Mortal Kombat 1 will not have crossplay at launch. So they tweeted this out a few days ago to pretty much be like, hey, guys, you know, we're working towards it. But just know when you buy the game at launch, it will not have crossplay. Uh, so, you know, they did it in this little cheeky statement where they replaced a lot of the C words like crossplay with a K. So, you know what? Mm. It's OK. Um, <laughs> yep. But, love doing that. <laughs> um, yeah, you know. Mortal Kombat 1 has been one of the most anticipated games of the year for some people, you know, just because Mortal Kombat as a series has been going on for so, so long. And I've been seeing what this game has been doing, not just for the story, but also the gameplay. Obviously, you know, it's the same old Mortal Kombat. You got the crazy fatalities and everything like that. But no crossplay at launch. Okay, that's fine. As long as they get it out within, I would say, the first three months, they should d- try to, you know, get that done. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, crossplay is something that is still relatively new. You know, it is crazy to me that people could have different consoles and still play with each other. You know, like, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but, you know, when me and Damien were growing up, that was not a thing. If you you had an Xbox and I had a PlayStation, it was like, nope, that shit ain't gonna work, you know. Yeah. Um, there's there's no crossplay whatsoever, but now, you know, pretty much every single massive multiplayer game has it, and it's and it's awesome. It's crazy. And, yeah. you know, for, for Mortal Kombat 1 to not have it at launch is a little saddening, but I'm not gonna, you know, 100% kill them for it because like they said they are working on it and they you know sort of said this before the game actually came out you know which it does come out within five days from now so you know better late than never to really tell the audience that hey you know it's not gonna have cross play so you know if you're if you want to play with your friend on a certain console you may not be able to do it right at the start yeah like you know i think cross play is very important for like a lot of games you know like mm-hmm. some games may be a little sussy you know adding it like i you know like fps games are like maybe a little more because the um skill level between a keyboard and mouse to a controller is always going to be kind of lopsided. Mm-hmm. I know you could make it work, but yeah, I know that's a little more iffy. But I feel like for fighting games, any sort of PvE game, it, I think it's great. It really like boosts the population by like a lot, mm-hmm. and it makes it easier to find games and stuff. And for fighting games, I think it should always have it. Um, honestly, a lot of things about Mortal Kombat 1 seems like very like they weren't very <laughs> for this game to come out right now. Uh, like no review codes were sent out. Like I think the game comes out today. Um, or tomorrow uh, with the, you know, the I hate companies love doing this now, but like if you buy oh, yeah, the $100 yeah, yeah. version, mm-hmm. I, I did that for Starfield. I'm, I'm a hypocrite. But like, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do hate that this is becoming like a thing that people mm-hmm. do. Um, and there's just like no reviews or anything. Like, I haven't really heard too many people talking about it. And it seems like a lot of features are kind of put on hold and stuff. So hopefully the game comes out okay. But um, yeah, I think not having, at least they're adding it later, but still not having it at launch is kind of lame because, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's when most people are going to play the game is at launch. So not having an important feature like this is always going to be kind of a downer. So um, hopefully the game is good, though. <laughs> I know my brother's looking forward to it. He loves Mortal Kombat, but uh, I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah. You know, crossplay is, you know, still relatively new, like I said. So I hope yeah. that they're able to solve it out sooner rather than later. 
All right. So next we got really spicy news. This really <laughs> engulfed Twitter. Uh, I think it was like yesterday um, or the day before. Yeah. Well, Unity had a new install fee uh, that was really bad. So basically, uh, previously, they, they have rolled back on some of this stuff. Uh, they would charge you. So anyone using the Unity engine, which is a very common engine, like a lot of indie developers use it because it's very accessible and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, there'd be after a certain threshold of money that you have made, they would charge you. I, I forgot how much. I think it was like twenty four cents or something. Yeah, it was like twenty cents. Uh, yeah, twenty cents. It was twenty cents for every install and every reinstall that you do with the game. Uh, and you know, people developers hated this obviously because it's like. You can just kind of troll developers and like, uninstall and reinstall. Also, it's just like so much money being lost. But also, there's yeah. other factors that I'm sure Unity didn't even think of. Being demos were also going to be affected by this, which is awful because you're basically making zero money off that. And uh, if you were on Game Pass, which is supposed to be a huge boon to you, would be awful because you're making no money because every install in Game Pass is going to cost you money and shit, which is terrible. Um, so, yeah, I, I, on Twitter... A bunch of devs saying, this sucks ass, can you not? I know Inner Sloth, the people that made Among Us, said something. Uh, AgroCab, which are making that, like, Dark Souls crab game, like, said a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Digital Devolvers said stuff saying, like, this is terrible. Um, so, yeah, Unity has walked back on some of this. There still is going to be an initial fee, uh, but there won't be a fee for uninstalling and reinstalling anymore, which is, yeah, that should have not even been a thing to begin with. <laughs> yeah. um, also, uh, Game Pass, like games on Game Pass will not be affected by it. Like the developers won't. Xbox will have to pony up that cost instead, which is also still bad. <laughs> but <laughs> so, either way, this is still bad, but it's less bad than when they initially do it. But like, yeah. you know, a lot of indie devs, because this just hurts mostly indie developers. Like mm-hmm. a lot of big games use Unity. Like, you know, Pokemon Go uses Unity. Genshin Impact uses Unity, which I didn't even know, but it does. So obviously it's going to hurt big developers. But, you know, this really sucks for indie people because Unity is a very common engine that almost everyone uses because it's, you know, yeah. pretty easy to learn. It's like, you know, something you could just use for free and stuff. Um, and yeah, this is just bad <laughs> for like everyone involved. Um, so yeah, hopefully Unity just completely rolls back on this or else developers are just not going to use unity anymore which is uh not great yeah i mean when i first read this i was like oh we have to pay 20 cents per install that i was like oh no the devs do and i was like that's even fucking worse i was like this shit is awful um but yeah i mean unity is such a common engine to be used within gaming even for like free-to-play games like fan-made games like that was like one of the big things that i saw with sonic twitter it was like oh shit project 06 uses unity like what the fuck is gonna happen because the game's free it's made with love and passion they're not selling anything because they technically and legally can't uh so if they have to you know pay 20 cents per install that's gonna be a lot of money Mm -hmm. eventually you know like that's gonna be insane um and i think that unity trying to you know i guess nickel and dime people out of this is kind of crazy you know even though the threshold is pretty huge and they said that like 93 percent of their sort of indie devs won't be affected by it it doesn't matter that seven percent is still there and even though games on game pass won't have to pony up it microsoft will you know microsoft is microsoft at the end of the day i'm not trying to defend the multi-million dollar fucking billion dollar company but at the same time it's like why are you making them pay for this fee now it's so weird you know because like you know people have been so used to using unity uh for free games or even freemium games where you know it's just like it's a free to play game but you can buy skins or whatever um and even with like you know normal indie games that you you know pay up at the start or whatever you know it is just it's just so weird and so insane to me that they even thought that this was like a fine idea and the fact that they're not rolling back on it 100 percent 
is a little concerning. So I wonder if other developers are going to change to a whole different engine or if uh, Unity is going to roll back on it more. But yeah, I mean, 20 cent per install may not seem like a lot, but when you're talking about thousands and thousands of people installing your game, it's it's going to add up. Yeah, also it's dumb when they say like it won't affect most indie developers because I feel like... Um you know, obviously, the end goal of an indie developer is to sell the game. <laughs> also, mm-hmm. to make something they like without any big publishers or whatever. But, you know, they still want to make it big, right? So, like, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, if it's like, oh, yeah, most indie developers won't be affected because, like, they won't sell the amount to uh, reach the threshold. But I still feel like, yeah, if you make it big, you still want to make your money and, like, you know, live large and shit. Yeah. And then when you do this, it's just like, oh, get shot down, loser. Like, you might as well just mm-hmm. use a different engine at that point. So, um, yeah, I've been seeing a lot of people switching engines and stuff now. I think, like, Inner Sloth, again, the Among Us people said, like, they're looking into... If, if they don't change this fully, they'll, they'll change engines and shit, which is going to be a massive delay in, like, new content for, like, games people are looking forward to. Um, mm-hmm. I know, like, uh, Hollow Knight, like, Silk Song, like, that's it in Unity. So, like, I don't know if they would, like, you know, that game's already, like, so many years out. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, maybe we might need to change engines now because we won't make any money so yeah it's just bad for everyone so hopefully unity just changes this entirely else people are just going to switch engines and they're just going to end up dying anyway so yeah (laughs) yeah just literally makes no sense i thought this was a troll post at first but it's fucking real (laughs) yep uh moving on from there we are going to talk about mario kart tour to anyone that has been playing the mario kart mobile game it is now coming to an end with free content so to anyone that doesn't know how this game works i literally learned about it as i was writing it for fandom wire because i don't play this game at all but pretty much for the past like i think four years they've been getting like constant updates for like every two weeks like a brand new tour would happen so that means like new circuits new characters would be unlocked and you know the characters quote-unquote could just be as simple as like a reskin mario or like a reskin luigi um, and obviously the new tours would feature I believe new courses and new drivers or whatever so you know a lot of content has been going on for like the past four years for this mobile Mario Kart game uh, but in the grand scheme of things this is like Nintendo's biggest mobile game so for them to now end new content is kind of big especially to those people that have been playing it for like literally every single day just trying to complete the tours as they're coming out so yeah, you know, the fact that they supported it for this song is kind of amazing, kind of awesome. Uh, but, you know, it is going to end its new content run on October 4th. But if you still want to play the game and still want to experience it, you still can. The servers will still be up. That doesn't mean that the servers are going down. It just means that you will not see any new content. So if you've done everything with Mario Kart Tour after October 4th, there's no real reason for you to continue playing. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's pretty interesting how, like, the only like nintendo mobile game that i think that's still up is fire emblem heroes i'm pretty sure <laughs> so that that's kind of crazy you know i think that game is being held up by the waifus but uh you know like because <laughs> people go crazy for that but yeah mario kart tour you know i guess kind of sad that it's ending but um i'm happy that a lot of its tracks are in mario kart 8 now so if people want to mm-hmm. just play it on mario kart 8 they could just play it with the uh new booster passes or whatever but um i guess still sad to see it go I, i've never played mario kart tour i, I didn't even mm-hmm. download it but I think I've heard it was pretty okay. I think there was some weird microtransaction stuff, but there always is with mobile games. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, at least it had a pretty long life. You know, it came out in 2019, apparently. So it's been going off for like four years at this point. So I think that's a good end of service. Well, it's not ending service yet, but like ending of free updates. So um, I think the game still has a few more years in it before it's like totally dead. Um, so yeah, <laughs> um, you know, I just want Mario Kart 10 or 9. <laughs> If it's actually called Mario Kart 10 and this was 9, that'd be crazy, but whatever. <laughs> that would be hilarious. 
All right, so next we got the Xbox MasterCard. Oh boy! So you know, <laughs> <laughs> on my emails, I always get like I always get like the gamer cards. Like, oh, get the PlayStation one. And I'm like, oh, oh really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's like a PlayStation version of this as well. Where you, yeah, basically like how this works is you get more like uh, card points if you like I think buy stuff on the Microsoft stuff like marketplace. So if you, if you're like a Xbox gamer or whatever this seems like it would be pretty good value to get because it's like yeah you're just you know just benefiting yourself if you just use your xbox as your major like sort of uh place where you get all your games and stuff so like i guess no you know just get it <laughs> if you want it uh for me personally I, I probably won't because i you know i don't know how i feel about paying with like a gamer card I and mean, we like here's my xbox fucking credit card um but you know if you're down for that that's pretty cool um again playstation i think has something similar to this as well where you could also earn more card points if you purchase stuff on the psn stuff so um yeah pretty pretty good if you use your xbox a lot for uh video games yeah, I mean, I think that the sort of benefits that you get from it are decent. I mean, some people may think it's dog shit, which it kind of is. I mean, for the most part, when it's a free credit card that you don't pay every single year, the rewards yeah. can only be so good. Uh, so, you know, you get 1% back on everything. So, you know what? That's fine. You know, cashback. I fucking love cashback for my credit mm-hmm. cards. Yes, I um, do too. <laughs> but uh, 3% on uh, or three times the points for uh, Netflix and like delivery services like Grubhub and DoorDash. You know, those are very selective in my opinion because you're only going to pay those like once a month. Um, and then for like DoorDash and Grubhub, it's only if you're really doing that a lot, which in reality you shouldn't be. But if yeah. you are shopping at the Microsoft store a lot, five times a points is kind of crazy. I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you use their card at their store, you get 5% back. That's kind of cool. Uh, but that's only if you really are like a hardcore Xbox, Microsoft gamer kind of thing. And, right. you know, in reality, I think that shopping at the Microsoft store, it should be like the last option for most people. Cause when you go to other retailers, you're going to have other deals. Or even when you go online to like eBay, Amazon, you know, they're going to have, they're going to have different prices there that will save you a lot more than what that 5% back you would get. Um, but you know, after your first purchase, you're going to get a $50 card bonus which you know is not a lot in the grand scheme of things like credit cards in my opinion so yeah you know it's an okay card i think that if you love xbox and you shop at the microsoft store a lot especially this is something that that you can sign up for and use it responsibly that's a thing that uh you know a lot of people even our age within like their mid-20s or whatever uh don't really know how to use credit cards and obviously people a lot younger definitely don't um so yeah, remember is you're borrowing money you know it's not your <laughs> money i only use it I, I i literally only use my i mean i use it a lot but like i use it if i have the money for it and i pay back immediately so i get my credit score <laughs> so that's literally how i use my credit card i never if i only use it for to like actual like how you're supposed to use it in like mm-hmm. dire situations but yeah yeah that's kind of how i use it also make sure to use it on your accounts because if someone hacks your account you can just lock your credit card <laughs> don't put yep. your debit card and stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. kids <laughs> so yeah <laughs> yeah i wish i was like damien i mean i'm not in like crippling debt but you know i'm i'm like barely scraping by fulfilling that like uh my payment balance every single month yeah. across all my credit cards so i'm still doing okay you know so far so good i haven't had to pay interest on anything which i hate paying interest like yeah one time i had to pay like a little bit of interest because i had, like miscalculated my payment and i was like i fucking hate that i missed that but it's okay anyways the microsoft credit card you know like i said <laughs> it's okay you know it's decent but it's something that i guess should have came out a long time ago yes 
Uh, next bit of news we got here is E3 2024. It definitely won't be happening at the nope. LA Convention Center, and it may not happen at all. So, you know, E3 is still within this weird limbo. You know, no one really knows what's going on with it. Um, I believe, uh, what's it called? Reed Pop uh, now just pretty much backed mm-hmm. out of all of E3. Uh, so we don't know what's going to happen with the event. And then the same day that all of this news happened, Jeff Keighley was like, all right, guys. Uh, Summer Games Fest is going to happen again or, or, or whatever event that he announced that same day. You know, Jeff Keighley definitely uh, knows how to take advantage of bad news to make it positive for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, E3, you know, we've said it time and time again on this show. It's sort of like a time capsule at this point for like really big announcements during the summer for gaming. And, you know, I would love to see E3 come back in some way, shape or form, but it seems like uh, the fees and just sort of like dev support for it has just been dying out more and more over the years. And, you know, whether it comes back within 2025 or later, who the hell knows? Um, but I'm sure that they are trying to make something work out. Uh, but, you know, even then, as long as there's a lot of big game announcements throughout the year, even if it is also during the summer, that's cool as well. But, you know, we're always going to get gaming news no matter what time of the year it is. But, you know, that time of E3 will always be special. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, I think we said this like for the past three years to this point, because like E3's been in this weird limbo state for so long. <laughs> um that, you know, I've always loved E3 and I would love to see it come back because even though Gamma's Summer Game Fest is like, it's okay. You know, I, I enjoy it. I think last year's was a bit better. Like, I feel like nothing could compare to the excitement I get with E3. And, you know, I've been watching it for so long. So it's kind of weird to just see it gone forever. But at this point, I'm like, just stop it. or every debt. Like, just let E3 <laughs> die at this point. You know, I, I think it won't come back ever. So, like, I feel like them saying, oh, don't worry, next year, maybe. And it doesn't. So... At this point, it's dead. Like, I, I, I basically come to terms that E3 is never coming back at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe Jeff Keighley could res- resurrect it in name and stuff uh, and sort of make Summer Game Fest into that, uh, you know, with different conferences and stuff. But, you know, Summer Game Fest is more just like a one singular show type deal, which might be a benefit for some people if you can't watch every single conference. But I, I really enjoy doing that. Um, and I always, like, have a good time remembering how E3 and stuff was. But uh, at this point, just let it die. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this is not going anywhere. Um, it's it's clearly dead. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me by next year just to say yeah, it's straight up like gone forever. So yeah, very yeah. sad days. It is what it is at this point. <laughs> All right. So next news, uh, you know, Apple had a big thing with the iPhone 15 Pro, and it's gonna be adding triple A games that you can play natively on the fucking hardware. So you can play, <laughs> you can play Assassin's Creed Mirage and Resident Evil 4 remake. And Resident Evil Village. Uh, Death Stranding as well. <laughs> what yep. the fuck? So, yeah, you can play all these AAA games on your phone um, natively. Like, this isn't cloud streaming or anything. Like This is like it's on the fucking device, which is insane. Um, but, you know, obviously there's things to this. It's like it's kind of just feels like a massive flex that you can even do this. Yeah. But I'm also like, why? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> one, you're playing on a tiny ass screen. And, you know, I feel like most games I want to play, at least on a monitor or something. Second, the controls are going to suck ass because, like, mobile game controls are fucking trash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and third, where is all that storage going to go? 
like how much yeah. storage does this thing have? <laughs> like these games are like 80 gigabytes. Like, is there going to be 80 gigabytes on this phone? Like I doubt it, but maybe there is, I don't know. Um, but yeah, either way it, it's cool, but it also feels very impractical. And like, why would you do this? <laughs> like, like at that point, you'd rather just play on a steam deck or something. Cause at least mm-hmm. that has like a better control scheme and stuff. Cause I, I really hate mobile game controls. Like the, there's no feedback. There's no nothing. It's just your screen and you can't see half of your screen. Cause you're, big ass hands are in the way i really hate mobile game control so again it's cool that this is a thing you could do um and that's great for mobile gamers and stuff but like for me personally it still doesn't really change the fact that i would really never play on my phone ever but it's it's cool yeah i mean you know mobile gaming as a whole has been evolving over the years and i think that you know people still associate you know those like free-to-play games like uh subway surfer and you know, temple <laughs> yeah. run angry birds all that you know mobile oh, game yeah. shit with jetpack joyride boy. <laughs> with, with mobile gaming you know but mobile games have been evolving over the years you know there are like full-fledged games on there that are exclusive on mobile obviously they don't get as much press or, or as much attention because of that and it hurts them but having these big triple a games on the iphone 15 it's gonna be kind of weird i mean um you know it's gonna be for the iphone 15 pro so i believe that that is the bigger model of the iphone um and you know having these AAA games especially like assassin's creed mirage that hasn't even come out yet like yeah i, I can play that on my iphone like that's gonna be fucking crazy yeah. um and like you said with the whole control scheme on the touchscreen that is something that has plagued mobile gaming for like the longest time like i still find it crazy that that is still like the only practical way that we can control games on a phone is with you know the buttons literally scattered throughout the screen and you're Mm -hmm. gonna have to touch it on there and you're also gonna be blocking half of it so if something's Mm -hmm. coming at you you're not gonna see it or whatever so yeah you know like this is definitely something very very cool how well and how practical it's gonna be i don't know i can't wait to see youtubers and other people that are richer than me you know play these games fully and do a video on it on youtube because that's gonna happen like that was like my first thing that came to my head when i saw this announcement i was like there's gonna be some fucking youtuber and i want it to be me but i don't have the money to do that that's gonna (laughs) buy the iphone 15 pro buy one of if not all of these games play them in 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 its entirety and then just talk about it because i think that it is going to be really crazy if this actually works out you know the fact that they're doing it because they can get uh quote-unquote huge performance upgrades and ray tracing on an iphone is kind of weird like that is like kind of insane especially for mobile gaming in general but yeah you know whether or not other games will come to the iphone 15 pro or whatever the hell is going on here I don't know, but you know, it is definitely like a very interesting concept. Uh, will it work out? Will it not? I don't know. I don't want it to fail. I just want to see how it does. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. Like, you know, I, I don't want it to fail or anything. And I think it's great for maybe games that are more designed for mobile and mind, so they have like mm-hmm. a bunch of extra horsepower. Um, but you know, I, I feel like AAA games like this are like more designed for a controller or for a ki- ma- mouse and keyboard. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I, again, I feel like this is more like a flex than anything else. So yeah. I think it'd be great for people <laughs> making um, making mobile games exclusively. Like I think that would be cool. But um, in terms of like stuff like this, like yeah, I'd rather just play it on a more traditional like console or PC. So, but that's just me. You know, if you, maybe you only have a knife. But I mean, this this shit's gonna cost like a bajillion dollars anyway. So I don't really know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I guess we'll see. Wherever wherever you're comfortable with, if you like your iPhone and really want to game on it, uh, you have the option to do that now. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I'm sure that there's some people out there that no don't even own a single gaming console. That's and then, true. Yeah. And then they have their iPhone 15, and they're like, you know what? Let me see what this Resident Evil stuff's about. And then they play Resident Evil 4 ideally because that's like much more of like an action game. And then they start mm-hmm. liking games, and then they pivot over to buying a console or a PC or whatever. So I could see someone doing that, but I feel like that the base. The, the iPhone base of people actually doing that is going to be very, very low. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Moving on from there, we got the Sonic Frontiers Into the Horizons trailers. This is uh, going to give people a much better idea of what's to come for the final update of Sonic Frontiers. So um, the first trailer was kind of just like, oh, what is happening here? I thought the game ended. But this trailer is pretty much like... What if like there was like a different ending, kind of like a alternate ending, sort of like what if they were able to save everyone? That's kind of what Sage said. So there's like this untapped power with the virus or whatever. So I believe that is what the supersonic blue two, whatever the fuck was going on there <laughs> last yeah. time. Um, but yeah, this trailer was very nicely drawn by Evan Stanley. She is fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. I love her artwork within the Sonic IDW series. Um, and yeah, you know, we just get like a few lines from pretty much every single major character from Sage, Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, and Amy. Uh, pretty much about what they're going to do within this DLC. You're going to play as Tails, Amy, and Knuckles, which is going to be awesome. Uh, and the update comes out in a few days. It comes out, I believe, uh, September 18th. 20th? 20th? Something like that? I forget. I think um, it was 28th, but yeah. But yeah, you know, it, it is definitely going to come out very, very soon. Um yeah, I think I think you are correct. Twenty two weeks from now, two weeks from now, mm-hmm. exactly. So, yeah, you know, I'm excited because it has been, like I said last podcast, like literally since Sonic the Hedgehog 2006, since we've been able to play <laughs> as these characters within a 3D Sonic game. I mean, you were able to play as them in Sonic Boom: Rise of Lyric, but we don't we don't talk we don't about count that game. That. <laughs> yeah, we don't count that. So yeah, but you know, this trailer was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm really interested to see how they're gonna play. Like, I wonder if they're gonna just be how they used to be. Like, I don't know if Knuckles is gonna play like how you played in like Sonic Adventure One and Two. I don't know. If Tails is gonna play like he did in Sonic Adventure One. Like, it's gonna be pretty interesting to see how they sort of modernize these characters. Because again, it's been so long since these characters have been playable. So um, mm-hmm. I'm really excited for it, and I-, I wonder how long it's gonna be. Because it seems like each character is gonna play on their own island. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Amy's gonna be on the first one. Knuckles is gonna be on the second one, and Tails is gonna be on the third one. So um, I'm interested to see how they're going to sort of do this and how long it's going to be in general. I, like, I wonder if it's going to be meatier than I think it's going to be. Because I thought it was going to be like kind of short. Like you just maybe play like a little thing with that. It, it could still be that. But it'd be cool if you really could just explore the whole island with like said character. I think that'd be really cool. Um, and yeah, I'm just really excited for it. You know, I think this is very ambitious for a free update. And they could have easily charged money for this. But they didn't. So that's really cool. Um, yeah. And hopefully this, you know, really opens up sonic to like new stuff like like oh yeah we we don't hate his friends <laughs> you know like it was just <laughs> it was just because his game you know the games were like weren't great when they were coming out but uh, i think they put the proper time and effort it'd be cool to have all these different play styles back again uh mostly because like most of them were pretty fun to begin with like i, I mean i didn't like hunting emeralds but like knuckles controlled <laughs> fine so um it'd be cool to do all that stuff again so uh looking yeah. forward to it wondering how the story's gonna end up being like if it's like some alternate reality thing um and you know hopefully the final boss might be a bit better i know people didn't like the ikaruga stuff <laughs> with the moon <laughs> or whatever but uh i guess we'll see when when that comes out so yeah very exciting stuff yeah you know sonic uh frontiers is you know living up to be bigger than it, i guess it was 
sort of biting off Ikachu or, or whatever the fuck I'm trying to say uh, here. Uh, Ikaruga, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, um, I'm sure that they're, they had discussions of making this paid, but I think making it free would have just made it a lot easier for people to come back uh, to not, like, have, like, this paywall behind it. You know, I'm sure that Sonic fans would have, you know, happily have paid to be able to play as Tails, Amy, and Knuckles once again within a 3D game. But, you know, making it free is a lot more appealing and a lot more attractive for players to dive back into Sonic Frontiers on S- September 28th. Yeah, and if if you're like me or Travis, I'm, I'm sure, you know, we didn't really play any of the previous updates. So, you know, there's a lot of content there if you want to yeah. go back and do all that now that everything is out. Uh, so I think that's pretty neat if you want to do like a whole thing. I mean, I probably, I'm probably just going to play the new story content because there's a lot of shit coming out. But, you know, <laughs> it's cool if you want to play like, you know, there's a lot of new stuff now for Sonic Frontiers to get your teeth into. And it's like, I think it's like $30 right now. So if anyone wants to buy it, if you haven't bought it yet, go buy it. It's, uh, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right, so D-Brand, we actually have talked about them before, is going to be creating their own Marvel Spider-Man 2 faceplates. So, you know, Sony has released, like, a, like a faceplate for Spider-Man 2 officially, and mm-hmm. it looks cool. But, uh, you know, it's uh, I'm pretty sure they're, like, sold out, aren't they? Yeah, it's fucking sold out, <laughs> yeah, I remember. I hate it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and they look cool. So D-Brand, uh, I think we did talk about them before. Like, they got sued, or they were threatening to get sued by Sony, because, like, hey, don't do yep. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they're releasing the old version of it now. Um, wasn't it because, I, I don't know, was Sony just like didn't like them or is it like because they were overheating the like console? I forget. Like, um, so I did a whole fucking research thing because yeah. of this article I did for Phantom Wire. So um, when they initially threatened to sue them, it was because of, uh, I believe, the patent or some shit that they put on the uh, PlayStation Face Plays. Pretty much like the shape of it. It pretty much looked the exact same way that the normal PlayStation Face Plays were. And I think they might have had the PlayStation logo on their D-brand. I'm not oh. exactly sure. <laughs> but I don't know. I think it was the shape and everything like that that sort of uh, made them send the season desist letter and also i think that sony just wanted to make their own fucking face plates and you know get the money from that obviously mm-hmm. so yeah. you know when deep brand was trying to do all this stuff they were like i right, yeah no you're not doing that and then they're like all right fine we backed off and then literally like a few days later they're like all right dark plates 2.0 they changed the shape of it and they also added a vent to prevent it from overheating a lot to also give it you know a lot more i guess airflow if you will um so yeah that's pretty much their way to avoid uh sony ever taking legal action from them and they've been selling dark plates on their website officially for like a while now and obviously with the whole marvel spider-man 2 faceplate fiasco which i was fucking a part of it i tried to goddamn buy it day one and they sold out everywhere and then when they were restocking them i think either earlier this week or last week they just sold out instantly like they went up on amazon and then i was hitting add to cart i couldn't even get to the fucking <laughs> checkout page i couldn't even oh get there Lord. i was like bro who is buying these things like instantly like like what is happening right now i just bots right to scalp yeah probably it, probably just bots yeah. um and then i was i was almost tempted to buy them on playasia because uh it would have been double the cost of the faceplates but it's less than what it, i would have paid on ebay but right. i didn't do that because i was like this is fucking face place. This is so stupid. What am I doing? Right. Um, so then when D-Bland uh, uh, 
came out with these people were like oh shit like this is like a pretty decent alternative like it looks cool you know there's like still yeah. like the uh, tendrils the 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 uh, webbing design um obviously it, it it looks very different from like a normal playstation 5 because it is using their dark plates 2.0 but it still looks cool um mm-hmm. and just to like i guess like undercut sony one extra further it's one cent cheaper retail than what the normal <laughs> marvel <funny>. spider-man <laughs> 2 face plates are so yeah. it's 64.98 instead of 64.99 but in reality, it's still cheaper than if you were to buy the face plates at face value because you are going to be paying resale. That's like the end of the day thing. If you got them retail, fucking good for you. I am happy and also pissed at you. Kind of envious, <laughs> kind of jealous. But yeah, to anyone who really actually did get these, these face plates at retail value, please tell me your secret because I was just <laughs> like, man, I'm like literally sitting on these websites waiting for them to drop and then they drop and then they're out. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I did wrong, but... Yeah, you know, D-Brand sort of taking advantage of Sony's mistake and sort of not stocking these plates as well as they should have. You know what? Good for them. You know, I'm not going to sort of uh, knock them for doing this. You know, obviously, like, they sort of poked fun at it and sort of, like, put a lot of brackets around it, uh, sort of, like, filling in certain words when they announced this to sort of avoid another lawsuit from Sony. Um, (laughs) Just, like, poke fun of it. Poke fun at it. But... Yeah, you know, this is like a decent alternative. If you really do like that design of like the sort of like black and red sort of look, you can buy those. And I think that the uh, dark plates, I'm sure you can look up like YouTube reviews of other people talking about it, but I haven't heard anything about them, you know, like overheating the console or, you know, doing anything suspicious like that. So, okay, that's good. Like, yeah, I I forget what the controversy was. It was just kind of Sony being like butthurt. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I guess, I guess that that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, that's. That's pretty much it. You know, not much else to really say about D-Brand's Dark Plates other than that, you know. They're just, they're just trying to make that bread because they came out with their versions of face plates for PlayStation way before PlayStation even officially announced theirs. You know, like, mm-hmm. I think it was almost six months when they announced the E-Dark Plates to when Sony officially unveiled the uh, Dark Plates that we, or not the Dark Plates, the face plates that we have now with the, uh, with the cosmic colors and also the uh, black one as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, I know people are really into face plates. I, I like to keep my consoles pure for the most part, but mm-hmm. uh, I think Sony. Like, there was a lot of 3DS ones I thought looked really cool, but I, I was just like, ah, I'll just keep it how it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah. All uh, right. Yeah, I think so, right. <laughs> My apologies. I was talking a lot. Uh, so now we got a Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem spin-off video game in the works. Uh, so off of the success of Team NT Mutant Mayhem, the movie, we now have a upcoming video game coming out sometime in 2024 for consoles and PC. Uh, don't get your uh, hopes up too much here because it is being made uh, by or it is being published by Outright Games uh, and they publish a lot of uh, licensed games, which uh, you know, for the most part have received positive reviews, but those reviews are not a whole lot. Um, and, you know, some of them are like troll reviews on like Steam or whatever. So, you know, we're, we don't know how good this game is going to be, but, you know, the the publishing uh, from Outright Games has been relatively good so far with their licensed stuff, so we'll see. Whoever's developing it, good luck to them. Uh, apparently, the game is going to take place a few months after the movie, so you know, to those that watched the movie and saw the ending, it's like, well, how is this? How is this game going to take place after the movie? Well, you know, it's going to take place a few months after, and you know, a new mutant threat's going to take place, and you're going to control the turtles and battle it out to save New York City once again. So, yeah. Yeah, I really need to watch the movie. Is it on digital yet? <laughs> I, should probably I watch think it, it is um, on digital. 
Yeah, I, I keep seeing the clip on Twitter when they're like, you're... Like, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> That's really good. That improv um, scene is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, de- I definitely want to watch it because, again, I think it looks really good. Um, yeah, I know they want to expand the series by a lot. I, I don't know if they're going to do a sequel to the movie. I think they, they're doing a cartoon now, though. Or, yes, or they, they are to. doing... They're doing a cartoon and they're also doing a movie sequel. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah, because I, I think the visual style looks amazing. You know, I, I'm always happy when, you know, 3D anime movies are more stylized and stuff. And um, yeah, it just looked like a lot of fun. I, I heard nothing but good things about it. So I, I definitely will watch it. Um, you know, there's a lot of like summer movies I just like haven't gone around to watching. So I, haven't, <laughs> I still haven't watched Barbie or Oppenheimer. So I still need to watch those two. Um, but yeah, either way, it looks really good. Um, but what the movie does, I don't know about the game. <laughs> <laughs> could, could have like ass you know just like that avatar yes. game as we were seeing um but who knows nickelodeon has looks like they've been putting a bit more money into the game development like i think nickelodeon all stars 2 actually looks like pretty good uh compared to the first one they, they had an lt grade that's pretty sick dude uh, <laughs> i loved lt grade as a kid so um and yeah it, it looks it looks great so uh, i don't know hopefully they put more money into the stuff because you know when they have devs that really do want to work on these nickelodeon properties and mm-hmm. when they get when they have enough money they can make something really good so uh uh, you know, we'll see how that turns out. Um, you know, yeah. Rise of Shredder is really good. So yeah, uh, just we'll like the uh, Rise of Shredder video game. Um, mm-hmm. I just hope that you know we get to see more you know movie tie-in games. I think that those are still a lot of fun, even though most of them when they came out were kind of bad. You know, yeah. but still, you know, just looking back on those were a lot of fun. So yeah, Spider-Man Two Pog. <laughs> uh, yes, Pog game. All right, so now we got some sad news. Uh, the Saints Row developer Volition is going to be shut down uh, by Embracer Goob. So, you know, the Saints Row uh, has always been a series that's been like, you know, it's been okay. Like, people enjoyed it. You know, like Saints mm-hmm. Row 3 and 4. Like, I think that's what really got them. In it. Well, I know people really like Saints Row 2, but 3 and 4 is kind of what got them, like, really popular because yeah. how outrageous they were. You could hit people with dildos and shit, and then 4 <laughs> was like, you had superpowers. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But they, they took, yeah, they took a lot of L's. Um, they released fucking Agents of Mayhem. Like, no one even remember that game. That game did really bad. And then they released the Saints Row reboot, which did really bad as well. Um, and yeah, they just have, have not had a lot of great success. I know, like, the Saints Row saints row reboot it wasn't like the worst thing ever but it was super bland like no one really cared about it um mm-hmm. it kind of took away a lot of things saint row as a series has kind of got its reputation for at this point and it just it just wasn't really good um sadly that was enough to just bring down the studio and now they're gone forever um i i'm, I'm i don't know who owns the saints row license at this point i guess it's embracer now yes um, embracer still own uh the license to saints row and red faction yeah so oh yeah i forgot they made red faction um <laughs> but yeah it's it, it's pretty sad you know they made some pretty prevalent games and now they're they're done and it's always sad to see that so i don't know if they're gonna maybe they might wait a few more years until a saints row because you know they can't reboot a reboot that just rebooted you know like it's kind of kind of hard to do that so they'll probably just let it settle for a few years and then come back with like either a new saints row reboot or like a, a saints row like five or something but um either way it's always sad when a pretty prolific game developer is like kind of just Dunzo, because um they just release one too many flops and it really just takes one or two flops to be like basically dead because games cost so much money to make especially if you're like a double a developer like they are um so yeah it, it's never great to see but uh yeah it, it that's just how it is unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, you know, it is kind of crazy that, uh, you know, that they're sort of just done now. You know, Embracer Group has been sort of letting go these developing studios and sort of just shutting them down because of their, you know, non-successful games. And, you know, Saints Row as a franchise, you know, I played Saints Row 3. Um, I was kind of late to it. I played it because I bought it from like one of my friends. I forget exactly who it was, but mm-hmm. um, I played that and it was a lot of fun. You know, that was like yeah. my first experience with the St. Rose series. And I think that mm-hmm. having that less serious look on the sort of GTA sandbox open mm-hmm. world style of games was a lot of fun. And obviously St. Row 4 was successful in doing that. You know, it you know added superpowers and was just over the top crazy madness. And I don't know what happened after that. You know, it, it, it was just like they were on that high and then it was like, like, all right, how do we keep going from here? And then they just didn't do anything with it. And they kind of tried to go back, you know, after uh, Agents of Mayhem, which, you know, I don't even know who knows or remembers that game. Exactly. I for sure don't. Um, you know, and then, you know, Saints Row 2021, 2022 came out, whatever. Um, yeah. And, you know, it tried to reboot the franchise, but it was just it was just not enough. You know, people people just don't resonate with Saints Row the same way that people once did. And. You know, they also released Saints Row uh, Gate Out of Hell. I don't even know what this uh, got, is. Got Out of Hell, yeah. Yeah, this is just uh, Saints DLC. Row 4. Yeah, pretty yeah. much DLC to that. Um, so, yeah, you know, they they tried so long to just try to, you know, come back. And I guess uh, after Saints Row 2022 bombed, I mean, you know, it's on it's, it's on PS Plus this month if you want to play it for free. <laughs> yeah, know, that's, so. kind of a, that's kind of weird. It's kind of a weird, like, it's like a zombie at this point, which is kind of yeah. weird. So, I mean, I'm not even going to add that to my library because I have no interest in playing that. And I don't even think yeah. I would ever be able to get to it, which is just like the problem with PlayStation Plus in general. But anyways, you know, sucks that Volition has now shut its doors. Um, but, you know, we'll see what Embracer Group does with these IPs and whether or not they decide to make any new games with them. Uh, like you said, I'm sure that they're going to wait for a while before they do literally anything with those properties. Yeah, uh, we'll see what Embracer does. You know, Embracer is, is a weird publisher to begin with like they kind of just buy up a lot of people and just like you could do yeah. your own thing and then we'll see so but hey they've been reviving a lot of double a stuff so i guess that's nice but uh i guess we'll see what happens with saints row but yeah don't expect it anytime soon <laughs> <laughs> all right so now we got the sag afta uh board has voted ununanimously to send strike authorization to uh for the video game industry so you know this includes companies like insomniac disney wb epic games activision and ea so yeah you know uh, i think people were kind of predicting this this was going to happen after the uh writer strike and the actor strike that is still currently actively going on uh which is why you know certain studios are re-releasing certain films within theaters and they're sort of uh, trying to you know recoup some of their losses and some of their money that's why films are also getting delayed you know dune 2 got delayed even though massive press has come out of it uh from like magazines and other outlets uh but obviously the actors can't really you know do the press themselves you know go on videos you know do clips like that because that does do a lot for a film and i think that them delaying it was stupid in my opinion but then again you know like it it's their call so you know this when this was announced people were like oh my god is marvel spider-man 2 gonna get delayed oh my (laughs) god and i'm just like if it gets delayed it gets delayed you know like i can i can wait a little longer if if so be it you know to play this amazing 10 out of 10 game that insomnia games have hopefully cooked up because I believe them, believe in them strongly. Like I fucking believed in them before Spider-Man One came out. Like I knew that that game was gonna be 
amazing and awesome and it's one of my favorite games of all time now and if that game got delayed it would have been what it was you know i'm not going to sort of knock uh you know sort of like the companies to sort of you know pay the people fairly for doing what they're doing um and yeah you know strikes strikes are supposed to be you know disruptive and if stuff gets delayed and stuff gets pushed back then you know it is what it is but i think that um you know just so if I can pay people correctly and then everything can move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really hope this kind of applies, uh, you know, obviously this is just for voice actors and like actors in games. Like this is mm-hmm. not for developers or whatever. So just keep that in mind. Yes. Um, but hopefully this does, you know, that this does allow other parts of the video game industry to go on strike, to get paid better and to not hopefully be on crunch as much as they are already. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously some crunch is always going to be, is always going to happen, but like, uh, you know, the amount in the game industry is like absolutely terrible. So if they have to delay stuff, that's fine. Um, you know, I think things like Spider-Man 2 are probably too late in development to be delayed by this at this point. Like it's probably mm-hmm. future Sonic projects that get delayed because of the voice acting stuff. But again, I think this is always a good thing. And I, I really do think developers should rise up, <laughs> rise up developers to, you know, um, go on strike and stuff as well. Unionize and stuff. I know it's really hard to do that in general because they're always shooting it down. But, um, you know, I think it is worth it because uh, especially when almost everyone is going on strike at the moment, like writers, actors, voice actors, like I, I feel like developers, oh, VFX people are also going on strike as well. Yes. Um, like, you know, I, I think this is a great time for basically everyone to just like, hey, treat us better and then we will, you know, <laughs> do the thing you want us to do. Um, and honestly, like the amount of media out there right now is insane. Like mm-hmm. you just go back and play or watch something from like a few years ago or even this year. Like there is just yeah. so much stuff out that I could basically be okay with no games released next year and I would be like okay with it because there's so much I could catch up on. But um, so it won't really be that big of a deal, honestly. And, you know, these are real people and we want them to be treated good so they could keep making good games, good movies. And they could, you know, they want to do these things. They just don't want to be put in hell to do it. So, um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, like always support the unions, always support this stuff. Like, you know, don't be a little baby because you're not getting your game. (laughs) You know, so, yeah, like these are real people making these things and we want them to be treated well. So, um, yeah, hopefully this does, you know, does something for the video game industry because we are, we're all seeing it work pretty well for the movie, you know, with the movie Hollywood industry and shit like that. So if it could work good with that, hopefully it could work well with the video game industry because it really needs to sh- shake up at this point from all the awful things we've been hearing over the past few years within the industry. So, um, yeah, hopefully this does start something really big over there. But uh, I guess we'll just have to see, like, how far this really goes, you know. Yeah, and I mean, like, if if this strike is also successful alongside with the Hollywood stuff, you know, it could be a lot more attractive for, like, these, you know, big actors to jump into gaming. You know, obviously, we, we got Keanu Reeves and Nicolas Cage jumping mm-hmm. into the, the gaming world, but, you know, a lot more of those actors could go into games if they wanted to because of, you know, these deals that they can, you know, get with these video game companies, so... Yeah, you know, strikes are good. Yeah, hopefully that, you know, everything turns out as planned and, you know, people are paid what they're supposed to get paid, you know, because obviously uh, things cost a lot more today than they did, you know, a few years ago. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's obviously good to pay those people what they rightfully deserve. Yes, sir. Uh, remember, <laughs> always join your union. <laughs> All right. So next we have a pretty interesting uh, article here. Basically, this is a big article talking about Ron Tomatoes and how basically movie reviewing and scores and stuff have really degraded over time. And, um, you know, a lot of this could apply to a lot of different things. But, uh, you know, this one obviously specifically goes into Ron Tomatoes and how uh, a lot of movie studios and stuff really focus on the Ron Tomato score and how kind of broken it is in general being like, 
if the first like five reviews are like bad, but then later on like they become good, that could mm-hmm. you know negatively impact a movie's performance, or vice versa. If the movie gets really good reviews at first, uh, like they use Ant Man as an example, you know, like a lot of comic book sites were reviewing it as like this is really great and stuff, and then people saw it, and then it's like, oh, that movie wasn't that great, and then the <laughs> drop off was like insane. So like you know like the medic, um, sorry, Metacritic, the Rotten Tomato score is very important to a lot of these studios and stuff, and um, you know it, it also goes into like, like yeah, I've made the audience is way too focused on this and not in individual voices as reviewers and stuff which is also very true you know a lot of people just look at this score and be like this is the be all end all and not really read anything past like the little blurb that Ron tomatoes gives you um and yeah and i think we, we could both agree that we don't really like review scores all that much like i mm-hmm. think they're a, a okay like general thing to use like uh like if something's a seven out of ten i like to be like why is it a seven out of ten though like i don't like just looking at it and like have like a little blurb or whatever like i want to watch like a video review or i want to skim through a review to really understand why this is a thing like why is this a seven out of ten mm-hmm. um it also doesn't help I, i'm going more from the video game side of things because that's obviously what i have more experience in but um <laughs> And that's why I kind of have reviewers that I like because I know their opinions on stuff. Like, I watch Skill Up. He is a, a YouTube reviewer on well, YouTube, obviously. And he does great <laughs> reviews. Like, you know, I I, write, I know his opinions on a lot of stuff. I know what he likes and not like. So I think that's a really good thing to have to know a reviewer. Like, you want to know a reviewer to see what they like, what they don't like and stuff. So you could get a really good understanding of, like, how the game works and stuff. Especially if it's a game genre they have a lot of knowledge in. It's really cool to to sort of get their perspective on things. Uh, When you read, like, a random IGN reviewer, you don't really have any attachment to that reviewer unless you Mm -hmm. really, like, read the Arthur name and see all the reviews they've done. Uh, But you don't. It's usually just faceless IGN employee. Like, obviously, it says who it's by, but still, like, a lot of people aren't going to see that and stuff. So just see, like, the review score, and that's about it. And that applies to a lot of different reviews and stuff. And at the end of the day, people just look at the number, and that's about it. Um, And, you know, people don't really have a lot of, I guess, media literacy to really, like, inform a really good opinion it's just like oh this is good or this is bad i see that a lot like oh this thing is straight up just bad and i'm like why is it bad it's always just bad i'm like okay that doesn't really explain anything (laughs) or or they say like one thing maybe it's bad and they're like okay so it's not really bad it's just you know it's just sort of okay and stuff and obviously you're entitled to your opinion if something's just if you really don't like that thing then like you just don't recommend it but obviously reviewers have to be more nuanced than that and i feel like in this day and age of like Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes being such a big factor in things, just seeing that like, oh, it has a 50 on Rotten Tomatoes or in Metacritic, then you just be like, oh, I won't bother. Even though you really should like dig in and be like, okay, why is this like like this? You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, this main, the main point of the Vulture article was to point out that, you know, there was like this firm that was like paying certain reviewers to like review certain things highly to like boost up the scores because uh, once again, you know, the scores do play like a huge factor in the success of things. Just not not just with like general audiences, but I think within like, I guess, the the studios as well, where they're like, oh, look, you know, like this did well, so we should make more of this or whatever. Um, so, yeah, you know, just like having reviewers get paid to write in a certain way is always like scummy like if i Mm -hmm. fucking ever did that that is fucking awful like that is that is a line that i will never cross and i think that most reviewers should never ever cross that line i think that accepting a free code or something like that like that should be like the most you should do going to like these free events and like these free press events you know that's fine as well but just know that like it can 
sort of make your opinion a certain way because you're like, oh, I, I got this free flight. I went to this free event. I got all this free stuff. And now I have to talk about and play the game. And it's like, okay, well, I should probably let people know that I did all this shit so they know that my opinion may be a little skewed. Because I will never mm-hmm. forget when Bioshock Infinite, you know, when that was coming out and IGN did a review on it, obviously 10 out of 10. But the website had a bunch of ads for the game and people were like that's kind of weird you know like mm-hmm. you have a bunch of ads on your website for bioshock infinite and you gave it a 10 hmm that's a little sus i'm sure the reviewer genuinely felt that you know that game was like perfect but you know ig had also advertising the game kind of sus so mm-hmm. you know yeah. there's always like that line that i think reviewers should be wary of when they're reviewing something you know like if i got this game for free i need to know that hey you know like what if i paid whatever price it was would i still recommend this game to other people etc cetera, etc cetera. um mm-hmm. and i think that reviews in it of themselves this is why when i review shit i don't score anything i fucking hate scores i've always yeah. hated scores for the longest time even though when me and damien were younger i still i still remember yeah. this when when we were at your house and we were like look up like review scores on like mm-hmm. game trailers at and like compare shit like that like oh my god they gave sonic unleashed a fucking <laughs> yeah, six yeah, or whatever I remember that. no they give that shit like a three on IGN. <laughs> yeah so you know like we we did that shit when we were younger obviously like yeah. we're fucking like 25 now or whatever yeah so it's a little different so you know when i see a score i'm always like okay like uh, you know if they give it a okay it's good they probably had some problems with it i should probably read what those problems are to see exactly if those minus two points equate to what i would think as like minus two points because obviously mm-hmm. like everyone has a different idea of what a 10 an eight a, a seven a six or whatever score is different from one another you know like i think most people which is bad think of five means it's a bad game that means it's mid guys if it's a five out of ten it's mid because it's literally in the fucking middle but people are stupid and they don't know that so literally people will not look at scores that are five or lower and you know you have to like assess like okay why is that you know why is it that that score is that score that they gave it reading reviews and all that other shit and watching videos is something that the consumer's fucking lazy at you know they don't they don't want to do that though if, if they could just look at a score and be like all right is this thing good all right 86 all right that's good you know it's like certified fresh all right i'm gonna go see that movie and then they go see it and and, and, and it might not hit the same way that they may think it would you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying it's yeah. like it's very weird how like consumers will like just go to these scores and like tunnel vision on them and be like okay yeah like if this is highly rated sure i'll go see it but if it's not i'm not gonna go see it at all and like i feel like I'm guilty of that sometimes where it's like if everyone's talking about a game and they're like, yo, man, like this is like 10 out of 10 perfect. Like I've fallen for that multiple times, like with uh, The Last of Us notably. I was like, I wasn't following that game at all when it was coming out when I was younger. I was like, I don't fucking know what The Last of Us is. You know, I know Naughty Dog, you know, I played Uncharted, but they got this new game, The Last of Us. And people, oh, my God, it's like 10 out of 10 perfect. And I played it and it's one of my favorite games of all time. So, you know what? Word of mouth and sort of like that reasoning as to why it's good and why it's perfect is why I played it. It's not just because those scores were perfect. Maybe it was to a certain extent. But even then, like, I think that we're all guilty of falling falling for the e-trap of like certain scores uh, sort of uh, influencing us. But at the same time, I think all of us should also be wary of like, why did they give them this score? What is the reasoning for it? And then dive in further. Yeah, like, I guess it doesn't help that, at least in America, like, a 7 out of 10 is, like, 
average, right? Yeah. And I think like if you get like a sixty on a test, you failed, right? So like mm-hmm. a lot of people don't really equate sixes to like being like middle of the road. Same mm-hmm. thing with five. Five is like you omega failed like a test <laughs> in like America. <laughs> so I think that's why a lot, you know, a lot of people are confused. Like why do people think five out of tens are like bad? I'm like I, I think it is because like in America, at least, I don't know if it's anywhere else in the world, but you know, seven out of ten is basically the bare minimum you could really get for like a C. Um, mm-hmm. No, a sixty-five is like barely passing and then anything past like below that it's like bad so i think that's where a lot of people get the idea like anything below a seven is like not worth their time but even then mm-hmm. like i think I, i've enjoyed many seven out of ten games and you know i've also enjoyed many controversial games that people have opinions on and stuff because um you know i think it's fun to like go through a game that people are really mixed on and like play it and be like i either agree with that or that obviously people you know either you won't have the time or you won't have the money or whatever so i get it like if you if you're limited mm-hmm. on funds or time you know you want to go with something that everyone basically agrees that is amazing like something like Baldur's gate 3 right like if it's like between Baldur's gate 3 and starfield and you want to play a new rpg probably would just get Baldur's gate 3 because everyone basically agrees that it's amazing right mm-hmm. but um you know you can you know I, I think it's also important to just read the reviews understand where they're coming from and really you know get the general gist of why that reviewer reviewed it that way um also with the terms of buying review thing uh, you know, like, yeah, I understand, like, a lot of game companies and stuff. I don't know if they explicitly buy, like, they, like, the company gives them money to, like, make mm-hmm. them have a good review score. Like you said, it's mostly with the free trips, the free review codes. Uh, also, there's the bad thing where it's, like, they could blacklist you from, like, ever reviewing games. Like, I, I was yes. talking about this before the show. But this is very known for blacklisting develop, uh, for reviewers for reviewing their games badly. Like, like I just mentioned, Skill Up, you know, he was a reviewer that reviewed Fallout 76, and he gave it an obviously terrible score because it was bad and then um they just did not send them a starfield they were like don't know what him the whole time they're like nope we're not doing that (laughs) so yeah like but that is very petty in terms of review codes and stuff uh if you talk shit about their previous games that's definitely a thing that does happen so a lot of um you know game publishers they want to have their reviews out for the big Bethesda game but they also don't want to like make them too upset so that's actually why it's kind of surprising IGN did give starfield 7 because that's like oh wow that's like you know like taking a stand Mm -hmm. like they like they wanted like yeah the game is good but has some flaws and stuff so um yeah it's always interested you know always keep that stuff in mind uh so yeah the, the world of reviews and stuff is always really muddled I, I always say find a good reviewer you really trust on on youtube or some writer on some website that you really like and follow them and see what they think but again always form your own opinion you know always mm-hmm. watch like reviews and and uh gameplay videos and be like will i gel with this game and if you're on steam you can always refund it after two hours if you don't like it so um yeah i think it's always important to form your own opinion instead of just following the mass collective <laughs> most of the time so yeah Yeah, you know, there's a reason why there's so many reviewers and people out there is because everyone has a different opinion. And I'm sure as we've gotten older, we see everyone has an opinion on everything and it can get tiresome and it can get annoying. But at the end of the day, you know, when you're trying to buy a product and when you're trying to see if something's good or bad with a piece of media, it's good to see how multiple different perspectives and how multiple different people view it. Because, you know, we may have another Last of Us Part 2 situation where some people are like, oh my God, it's like a 10 out of 10 perfect sequel. And then you got the other half that are like, oh my God, this is like the worst fucking thing ever because of yeah. certain things that happen in there. So, you know, it's always a good idea to look out for multiple different people that are talking about the same thing because, you know, taking in all of those perspectives before you play it or even after you play something is always good so 
you know, Rotten Tomatoes, you know, sort of having, I guess, like this PR firm that was like manipulating scores is kind of crazy. So I wonder how people are going to look at these scores like Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes more because personally, I don't fucking look at them at all. You know, if they show up mm-hmm. on my timeline where it's like, this is certified fresh and it's like, all right, well, I didn't really look out for it. It kind of just popped up for me. So, yeah. Um, and was I going to watch that thing anyways? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I talked about it earlier without where, uh, you know, I, I might have saw Don't Worry Darling uh, or Don't. Is that, is that what it's called? Yes. Don't worry, darling. The fucking Florence Pugh, Harry Styles movie. I was going to see that in theaters. And then it was so terrible that my girlfriend was like, no, nah, we're not seeing that. So I was like, okay, fine. I would have seen it anyways. You know, I would have known what I'm getting myself into. I already knew that beforehand. But, you know, just seeing those reviews definitely puts even more people off or even puts even more people on. Who knows? You know, depending mm-hmm. on what it is. So, yeah, you know, review scores in general, you know, it's it's a whole fucking topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's It gets pretty deep. But uh, either way, you know. Either watch it or read reviews and stuff, and then make your own opinion about it. Uh, you know, with movies, I guess I'm less, I'm more casual about it. So I just kind of just, if I want to watch a movie, I'll watch it anyway. So yeah. um, and honestly, mostly just game my ass to go to the movie theater. That's supposed to be like the big thing. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, either way, uh, yeah, just just do your due diligence, make your own opinion, and don't treat review scores like that. I'll be all. So yeah. Yeah, don't be don't be twelve year old Travis and Damien. Yeah, <laughs> even though I do think the IGN review of Sonic Unleashed was bad, and like a three out of ten is insane. Like it's not a three out of ten. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> moving on from there, we are going to talk about the Nintendo Direct that literally just happened a few yeah. hours ago. So you know, obviously, some details we may not talk about because they may come out after uh, this podcast has finished recording. But uh, we're just going to talk about general stuff first before we get into the nitty gritty of specifics. I got pretty much everything here in this mm-hmm. podcast notes document, but I think this di- this direct was not that bad. I mean, you know, some people are calling it mid. I think that mid may be the correct word. I think it was slightly better than mid. You know, there were a few titles in here that I was kind of excited for, even with uh, the uh, third party stuff with Prince of Persia, even like the Spy Family game was kind of cute. Yeah. Uh, but there were, there were some stinkers in here as well, uh, which uh, we may or may not get into, like, the fucking trombone champ game uh fucking f099 debated me so yeah. goddamn hard um but you know we we did get some bangers we got some bangers you know mario versus Don kong paper mario so yeah so like um yeah i thought it was also an okay direct I, I i thought the last one was very good and even then even when this direct came out i'm like i don't really need much to satisfy me like even if this ended up being like okay which it was like i'm not mm-hmm. like mad mad about it because yeah. the switch has so many good games coming out and this just this, this kind of felt like extra to me mm-hmm. like I, I thought the last direct was excellent like there was so many surprises and stuff that this one i i like the basically the only direct i really care about now is them announcing the switch too at this point because i think the <laughs> switch is like amazing at this point like it, it really has to be one of my favorite nintendo consoles at this point with the amount of bangers they came out but um i guess i'll, I'll start with the first thing uh we won't go down every single game but i i yeah. you know i am interested in this so splatoon 3 the uh expansion pass for side order uh it looks great um you know, I loved Octo Expansion a lot. Uh, basically, all the campaigns of Splatoon have been very good, and only have gotten better and better. Um, and this one looks like the... I, I don't know what he meant by you could replay it over and over. That makes it sound like a roguelite or something. Or, or, or it might have some roguelike elements to it. Like, we see that you could level up and, like... Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's damage numbers and shit. So that's pretty interesting to see. I, I wonder if it's going to be as brutal as Octo Expansion was, or maybe they're going to take a different approach. Um, either way, it's taken a while to come out. I was half expecting them to shadow drop it today, but it's just not coming out until 2024, spring. <laughs> uh, like, 
if for comparison, Octo Expansion, I think, came out a year after Splatoon 2 came out. This is, like, almost two years after Splatoon uh, 3. So, um, pretty interested to see how big this expansion really is going to be. Uh, from what they've shown, it looks great. I- I'm very excited for this. Um, so, yeah, uh, honestly, just take the time. I- I'm excited for it. I-, I know Splatoon 3 has been a little mixed with fans. You know, some people don't think it did enough and stuff. But uh, in terms of the single-player content, I thought Splatoon 3 was really good. Um, but, yeah, uh, I am really excited for this and uh, looking forward to see how how much better or maybe not as good as Octo Expansion was. Expansion was fucking great. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it definitely sounds like a roguelike. I mean, that's the first thing that came to my mind when he was yeah. like, "You can play it over and over again, and you could do different things." I was like, "This is like a roguelike where you're yeah. just going up levels and just defeating people." That sounds like a lot of fun. So I think that this is definitely something that Splatoon Three needed for like something different. You know, maybe not like. Uh, the other horde mode but some you know maybe a little more enticing a little mm-hmm. more substance for those people um i wonder if you could do this multiplayer i doubt it i think it is going to be a single player only thing yeah uh, but, you know maybe in the future they could do like a multiplayer version of this so i think that that would be pretty dope but um the next game i want to talk about here is mario vs Donkey kong we got a game boy advance remake of it uh, i didn't even know this was a remake <laughs> i thought this was a new, <laughs> like a new mario vs Donkey kong oh okay <laughs> yeah because uh i think i think they were talking about like the the original game boy advance game or whatever oh, you know shit. with okay. like uh you know new stuff like the uh, multiplayer with uh toad or whatever so uh, okay. yeah you know i i still remember playing the original gba game i bought that at plane trade and i played it on my Game Boy Advance and that was around when I was getting into the the Mario versus versus Donkey Kong series I think uh, the one that I played the most was the last one that released on the DS I think it's uh it's not Mini Land Mayhem that one's on the DSi um but yeah, you know, I do have some fond memories of playing the Mario vs. Donkey Kong games because they are kind of fun. Uh the one that I played the most was Mini Land Mayhem, I guess I guess I was right or no, Minis March Again is the fucking DSI yes, game. Yes, yes. Mini March Again. Game, which yeah. is uh, apparently plagued by the fucking community that they hate it. But I I mean, I, I That's liked what, it. I don't know. I, I, I didn't like it. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, having this remake come out on February 16, 2024 is relatively soon. You know, it definitely looks like, obviously, it's a huge fucking upgrade from the uh, GBA now onto the Nintendo Switch. So yeah, you know, I am excited to jump back into this one. Um, yeah, honestly, like this looks a lot better because my only experience with Donkey Kong versus uh, Mario versus Donkey Kong is the mini stuff, and I really didn't like the lemming gameplay. I just don't like lemmings in general. <laughs> I, I, I mean, the animals are fine. I'm just talking about like the like the you know you put the thing and they move and shit. I always hated mm-hmm. that. This one looks cool because you can actually like control Mario, <laughs> so that looks yes. fun. So mm-hmm. um, that this definitely caught my eye a lot more than the other ones because I, I don't really know much about the series besides the mini shit. So um, th- th- this does look a lot better. Uh, it depends how expensive it is. I don't know if it's if it's gonna be like sixty or some shit that I know, but if it's like thirty, then maybe uh, it looks uh, pretty fun. It is currently fifty dollars on the oh Nintendo my god, I said, probably not. <laughs> but either way, it looks kind of fun. God, they really overprice these remakes sometimes. But yeah. Um, <laughs> also, I really don't like the Nintendo doesn't label it remake because it makes things a little more annoying. Like um, yeah, you know, like we'll talk about it later. But they didn't put the remake title on it or whatever. I'm just like, it's just the name of the game. I'm like, okay, I guess. Uh, but whatever. <laughs> Either way, it looks pretty cool. I don't think it's $50 worth, but uh, that, that would be up to you. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I might I might bet at launch. We'll see. <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see how February is looking because, you know, October, I I'm, I'm m- might be in debt a little. So, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, true. Um, so, yeah, uh, Prince of Persia still looks good. That's going on Switch. Uh, I already talked about this during the Summer Game Fest stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. looks great. You know, I think yep. the graphical style looks really good. Uh, really fun looking Metrovania type thing. Uh, still looking for I won't buy it on Switch, but it does look really good. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. 
uh, January 18th, you can expect yes. that one to release. All right, you want to, you want to talk about uh, Spy let's Family? See, let's see, let's see. Uh, yeah, sure, fuck it. I mean, you know, the Spy Family game really took me by surprise. I was like, yeah, yeah what the too. fuck I'm is like, this? I was, like, <laughs> I was like, why is Spy Family in my Nintendo Direct? Along with League of Legends. I was so, yeah. so I was like, why is, why is it two League of Legends games yeah, in this Yeah, two Direct? League of Legends games, yeah. Um, but anyways, you know, Spy Family uh, or Spy X, Anya, Operation Memories. It looks like it's just going to be like a really wholesome game where you're just playing as Anya, creating memories with your family, your fake yeah. family, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Hold on, real but, <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll see what gameplay there is if any at all if, other than you just walking around and just doing like i guess like pretty much like point and click just like that slice of life bullshit yeah. yeah pretty much so yeah you know it seems like a very appropriate game to uh have anya star in <laughs> at least it's not a fucking arena fighter <laughs> <laughs> that like would every be other anime crazy game. yeah you just play as anya no no, no she could be on on fucking uh what's his face the dog and then she could be oh. a fighter like that. <laughs> bond bond oh, it's yeah it's that, that'd be funny I love Bond. Um, but yeah, we were, <laughs> we were speaking of the League of Legends stuff. Yeah, so um, Song of Nunu, uh, that's like sort of like you're with uh, fucking Nunu and uh, the fucking... No, no, wait. Nunu's the Nunu, guy. Uh, Nunu and Willem. Yeah, Willem. That's his name. Yeah, so it's sort of like a... Um, <laughs> Like uh, sort of like action adventure game, we could use both of them, and like you go through this thing. It actually, looks really pretty and stuff. I, I don't know how you know the gameplay is going to be. I guess like just standard action adventures type of stuff. But mm-hmm. um, you can see some some of the other champions. We saw uh, fucking what's his face, Bram. Was it what was his name? Brom. 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 There you go. Jesus, it's been a while. I love okay. Brom. <laughs> yeah. So Brom was there and stuff. So that's really cool. Um, and, and yeah, it looks pretty good. Uh, the other one also looks really cool. Uh, the uh, Bandle Tale. This is it's just Stardew, but, <laughs> but with, um, <laughs> with League of Legends stuff. So you're in Bandle City, and you're just some Yordle, and you gotta like help fix up uh, Bandle City, I guess. Uh, and you can see other Yordle champions. Like I saw, um, Corgi was there, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I think Teemo is probably gonna be there, obviously. But uh, I think that's really cool. You know, I, I obviously love Stardew Valley, and I think the aesthetics is really cute and really nice to look at. So um, yeah, it looks like it could be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of Stardew Valley type games, and most of them don't really capture quite the spirit of Stardew Valley. Um, but uh, hopefully, this one does. Uh, the fishing game mini game looks exactly like Stardew Valley, <laughs> which honestly that's okay because I actually like the fishing in Stardew. So mm-hmm. um, I guess we'll see. But yeah, it actually looks really cute, and it's coming out next year. So uh, hopefully, it's good. <laughs> yeah, uh, Song of Nunu. Uh, it is going to be thirty dollars, which is pretty yeah. nice. Um, it's going to be not just on Switch; it's going to be on Steam. Uh, freaking gog epic games so yeah probably on everything yeah so yeah uh but yeah that is that is pretty dope uh you know seeing just like right use their money to make other league of legends games is it's kind of nice um yeah but yeah you know song of new november 1st i'll probably check it out hopefully if i got the fucking time um yeah i really want to check out that echo game the convergence or whatever yeah. but it just it came out such a bad time i, I still want to try it out because it looks really fun so but yeah yeah uh, uh i guess uh, which one do you uh, want I, to do? <laughs> I guess I just do like just some quick stuff like uh, Super Mario RPG still looks good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think like graphically it looks really nice. The new like triple attack stuff, like the animations for it look really cool. Um, there's some new post game stuff like you could fight like the bosses again, but like the super bosses now. So a new mechanics and stuff looks mm-hmm. really great. I'm very excited for it. November 17th. And the other quick thing, just like uh, Luigi's Mansion 2 the HD. Yeah, it's, it's Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon. The HD. <laughs> um, honestly, again, I, I am really excited to try it out again because I remember not liking it too, too much when I first mm-hmm. played it on 3DS. 
Um, I actually have never even beaten Luigi's Mansion 3 yet. I thought Luigi's Mansion 3 was great. I just, like, I don't know. Not, I think someone else came out at the time, and I just didn't finish it. So I would like to go through both of those games again uh, and play them. Because I, I know Luigi's Mansion 2 has some, like, some people that really like it. Uh, obviously, I'm in the camp that thought it was, like, it's all right. So um, I guess we'll see with this. Uh, uh, when it comes out, I mean, it still very much looks like a 3DS game. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it just, it just like kind of cleaned up a bit. Uh, I think they could have done a little more effort into that, but uh, yeah, I, I am interested to try the game again. Uh, it's coming out summer 2024. Uh, I thought it was also going to be October of this year, but I guess not. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, kind of crazy that uh, we're getting another Luigi's Mansion remake. You know, it seems like these Luigi's Mansion games just keep jumping from console to console. Uh, maybe we'll get Luigi's Mansion one on the Switch. Who knows? But that game came out on the 3DS. But, you know, I've actually never played Dark Moon, which is, you know, kind of weird that they're now just calling it Luigi's Mansion 2, which they yeah. should have just called it from the start. Yeah. Um, I, but, I guess because they didn't, they didn't think they would make a three. I guess <laughs> <So>. <laughs> they're like, no one's gonna fucking buy this one, and then yeah. they're like, oh shit, it's we really probably well. make another one. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, just calling it two HD is kind of nice. Um, you know, I'm kind of excited to jump into this one. You know, n- now that you know the game's been out for several years now, I've heard a lot of mixed things about it. So you know, I wonder how this HD remake is gonna hold up. They did have like online play or whatever the hell that yes. was. That, yeah, that looked kind of weird. Scraper. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it's like yeah, you get like four Luigi's and you go through like this tower, or tower, and like mm-hmm. just kill a bunch of ghosts. People love that mode. Like uh, people really stand by them. I mean, it's in three as well, so uh, people really like it. Uh, I heard nothing but good things about that. Even people that don't like Luigi's Mansion two say the online is really good. So uh, that's that's good. I never really played it myself, so I can't really comment on it. I just heard it was good. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing I want to talk about here, which was kind of weird. I'm sure a lot of people were thrown off by this and was like, "What the fuck is this game?" Another code recollection. So this is a remaster of two games. One is Two Memories. It's a 2005 DS game. And then the other one is uh, another code R or something. It's a Mm. 2009 Wii game. Never released in North America, which is something that they were like emphasized for the first time released in North America. Uh, And it's coming out early next year, January 19th, uh, 2024. Uh, I believe it's just like a point and click sort of just game where you're just going through like a story or whatever. So it's kind of weird that they wanted to highlight this during the direct. Not to say that games like this shouldn't be highlighted but it's also kind of weird that they're just remaking these games just like bringing them back you know i guess to like those three people in the world that are looking forward to this it's like okay like here's here's the thing that you've been looking forward to for like well hopefully for not too long if if anyone who's even looking forward to this shit at all because i feel like this is the first time that i've heard about it and i think that most people have heard about it Hey man, I always really like it when games that were, you know, exclusive to Japan come to America or, mm-hmm. you know, just any English speaking country for the first time because, uh, you know, Xenoblade wouldn't be a thing if that wasn't the case. Yes. So, uh, and obviously I fucking love Xenoblade. So, um, <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for that, for Project Rainfall, then none of that would have happened. So it's always nice to see, you know, even if it's a more niche thing, maybe it can find some success like in the States and stuff. So I think that's always really cool when this stuff happens, mostly because it's not even like, it's like a remake and stuff, which is cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, th- I think that's quite a point of extra effort to bring it over here and stuff and hopefully it gets an audience and stuff i think it looks pretty cool uh but uh i guess we'll see when it actually comes out um yeah but yeah i guess the other big thing is the princess peach game so it's not called untitled princess peach game anymore it's called princess peach <laughs> showtime so it's going to be coming out next year at march 22nd and uh basically it works where it's like the whole game's like sort of in the 2.5d sort of style i, I it's hard to explain it it's like 
you're on the stage, right? And it looks like, yes. really cool. And Peach is able to transform into different roles and stuff. Uh, so when I saw, like, you know, she was using her ribbon and stuff. Oh, this looks nice. And then she became like a sword fighter. I'm like, what the fuck? She was doing backflips and shit. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so I think the game looks really good. Like, graphics-wise, it looks great. Like, I think yeah. Peach looks really good. Like, the environments look really nice. Um, Gameplay-wise, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen. Like, it's, <laughs> like, some stages look like it plays like, like a normal 2D, like, platformer when you have, like, mm-hmm. the martial art thing or the uh the sword fighter thing but then she gets like she become a cook and then like it's like a cooking mini game and then some other stuff are happening oh a detective then you can like sort of like detect stuff around the level so um it looks like it's gonna be a whole stuff like a whole bunch of different gameplay styles um Mm -hmm. and it always gets me a little nervous to be like how the game is actually gonna be but uh i think graphically it looks great and i will play it just for that alone and i think it's cool that peach's (laughs) game another new game uh, and it went in a direction I didn't think it would go, which is like these transformation stuff. So um, that's mm-hmm. really cool to see. Um, so yeah, ho- hopefully it's good. Hopefully the different gameplay styles like kind of mesh together really well instead of becoming like this kind of like mess of a game. But um, mm-hmm. I- I'm liking what I'm seeing, so that's cool. And I think you know playing that speech, I think that's a really cool thing in general since we've only been able to do it like once. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. You know, having another Princess Peach game that doesn't have her emotions tied to her powers is nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have a vibe sector. The, the whole point was to get her, get her vibe. <laughs> that was literally the joke of the game. <laughs> so, Anyways, yeah. Princess Peach Showtime. Yeah, I mean, I, I love what they're doing with this game. You know, just having her be like a girl boss and just like having her be in like all of these different roles is kind of nice. You know, I'm sure some of these gameplay styles are not going to work and we're going to dread through going going through some of these but i hope yeah. I, I hope we don't you know because obviously you know we've played games where they've done 20 different gameplay styles and it and it worked out you know like it takes two is one of them and that's then, true yeah uh and then you know now we have this thing where it's like you, you know we got like cooking peach we got sword fighter peach we got martial arts peach you know so i wonder how everything's going to work out you know it does look like it's in this 2.5d style plane but it also has like a 3d element to it you can yeah. move around in it freely so yeah you know i wonder how this game's going to do i'm sure it's going to be very popular with the girlies of course um but <laughs> one yeah, copy know. of princess peach showtime <laughs> i will be there still I, I playing this game there, yeah <laughs> um, um but yeah you know it definitely looks like a lot of fun yeah it gives me a lot of like kirby vibes as well mm-hmm. i guess because of the transformations it's like you know it's like cute yeah and shit so it, it really gives me big kirby vibes so um hopefully it's good like that because uh you know i didn't actually expect the game to have that much like combat in it so i'm like oh shit it's like she's like killing shit so that's cool mm-hmm. um but yeah looks neat uh i definitely am looking forward to it uh i'm going to skip ahead a little bit we're going to talk about mario kart 8 deluxe uh expansion pass wave 6 uh it's going to come out this holiday we didn't get an exact date i'm sure that they're still working it out but we now got the final four characters we got diddy kong funky kong pauline and pichette uh and that's pretty cool i mean pauline has been rising up within i guess popularity as of late she's been appearing more within other mario spinoff games so that's pretty cool to see her now with mario kart um you know mario kart 8 it will never fucking die i guess you know now with this (laughs) expansion pass being the final one we'll see if they want to do more i hope they don't um but you know they're bringing stuff in from mario kart tour like with pauline and and, uh, peachette and along with some other courses they're bringing back uh, a mario kart wii uh course i believe it was daisy circuit or something like that so yeah yeah, you know, Mario Kart 8, I still have not played it a lot as of recently. I haven't tried any of the expansion pass stuff because I don't have uh, the really good Nintendo Online or whatever. So mm-hmm. um, definitely going to have to see what all the fuss is about with the new Mario Kart stages. 
yeah, it's good at adding, like, I think there's actually, like, a good lineup of characters. Like, Diddy, Funky, I know Funky Kong is a big one because he's a meme. <laughs> uh, and Pauline, like, people really want Pauline and stuff. Peach Head is, like, sure, I guess. But yeah, I, I think the characters are really neat as well. Um, Stages-wise, you know, I'm not too sure yet. I didn't show all the stages yet. So, um, it be mm-hmm. interesting. I know people really look forward to these. You know, I think... You know, I like Mario Kart. I'm not like a giant Mario Kart nut, though. So, like, I yeah. know people are more excited about it than I am. But, uh, yeah, it looks, it looks pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I guess next is the uh, the F-Zero <laughs> announcement. <laughs> so, yeah, so prior to this, there was leaks that something F-Zero related was going to be shown. And, you know, people were going crazy. Like, oh, it's going to be a new game. It's going to be a remake. It's going to be something. But, nah, it's F-Zero 99. It's really funny because my brother told me about this. He's like, watch it be, like, something like F-Zero 99. And then he was fucking, he nailed that shit so hard. <laughs> Um, so I actually don't know. I mean, I, if I was F Zero fan, I probably would be kind of mad, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but like, I guess it's kind of cool as someone that doesn't really give a shit about F Zero. Like, I guess this is kind of cool. It's kind of like this giant mess of like cars everywhere, just trying to get yeah. through the course. Like, it looks pretty fun. Um, but yes, I'm sure if you're an actual F Zero fan, this probably does sting kind of a bit because it's like just make a fucking new game. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I think overall, I, I think it looks fun. Uh, you know, I, I think the 99 treatment is is a cool idea. It kind of sucks they always go offline after like a year or something though and you could just yeah. never play them again like, i know mario 99 that was like gone uh pac-man 99 i think is gone i think i think I tetris, tetris is the, 99 is still I, up i don't know i think i think that's the only one that's still up i i believe so because it's it's tetris i think uh, i'm not too sure though but usually they go down after a bit so um you know play it play it when you can because it is going to go down and honestly it probably won't have enough replay value to really be enjoyable after like the first day or so yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I got I got debated so hard. I was like, "Holy shit, F zero And then Dude, it was F zero ninety nine. I knew immediately it was not going to be anything people wanted. I'm like, "Oh, they're showing like the old F zero If it was like a new thing, they would have shown something else. But I'm like, "No, this is going to yeah. be some some weird shit." And it was. Yeah, so, no, yeah. I was just like, oh, "No, what are they doing to us?" Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm I'm not a big F zero fan, but you know, I yeah, feel for them. I feel for them. Yeah. I know what they're going through. They're like, "Man, I just want a brand new game. I just want some something." You know, I know that feeling. Sly Cooper fans, you know where you at. Um, <laughs> Not for but... me. <laughs> I get what I want. Um, yeah, you know, F zero ninety nine. You know, it's another battle royale thing that Nintendo is pushing. You know, it's free for Switch members or Switch Online members, which you know you're pretty much gonna have to buy that to play online anyway. So, you know, if there's something you want to try out, there's no cost to it. So. Yeah, you know, hopefully, hopefully it sticks it sticks around. You know, a decent amount of time for people to to try it out, but yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's whatever <laughs> yeah we really have much else to say about that um yeah i guess i'll talk about the amiibo announcements you know we're now going to get uh zelda and ganondorf as amiibos from tears of the kingdom coming out november 3rd uh we're also going to get xenoblade chronicles 3 amiibos yeah. with noah and mio i have no idea who those, those characters those are, are but the two main characters of that game that I they are buy. going <laughs> they are going to come in a dual pack i believe yes. is is what they said january 19th 2024 I mean, I have yeah, I have Shulk in box, I have Pyro Mithra in box, I just need them in the box. There you go. <laughs> I would have all three of them. <laughs> um and then last but not least, we got Sora, the Smash Brothers Amiibo. The last one within the long line of pretty much every single Smash Brothers Amiibo. Uh will come out sometime in twenty twenty four. So yeah. I mean that's the only one I'm really looking forward to is Sora because it's fucking crazy that he is still in Smash Brothers. Good like, luck that, getting is still, that. <laughs> that is still something that has not really hit me yet. But yeah, yeah when pre orders go up for that, I will I will be there because you know i i have seen pretty much every single square enix jrpg character within smash brothers just go up in price like if Mm -hmm. you look for joker forget it bro it's like 80 dollars like it is fucking crazy so um, yeah joker had the coolest one too 
Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Sora is going to be uh, hopefully not a pain in, in the ass to find because as of late, you know, Amiibos have not been as bad as when they first came out. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like the fad is mostly like gone. There's more people that just want to collect it. But, you know, mm-hmm. they're always going to take advantage of even the little people that just want, like, I just want Sora, please. Because I know yes. buy it for like $80 <laughs> now. So, yeah. yeah. Amiibo I buying. Bunch, I have a bunch of Amiibo scalping stories from these fuckers that would... <laughs> do that shit anyways <laughs> um, what else you want to talk about before we get to the final game uh <laughs> i mean like the last really cool thing i guess is the tomb raider stuff like they mm-hmm. remastered all the tomb raiders so you could like toggle between the og graphics and the new graphics and the new graphics aren't like too crazy it's kind of just looks like it's polygon but just kind of cleaned up a bit but it looks cool you know if you want to play the tomb raider game like the older ones in a more i guess a modern way then this is this seems great uh you know it looks mm-hmm. like it's made with a lot of care and stuff uh and yeah that, that was genuinely like a really cool announcement um and really, the only last thing I want to talk about besides the last thing is yeah, the trombone champ thing. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> yeah, that that is a thing that they're doing on Switch. Dude, I don't know if that game is that hard to play or not, but like that person seemed really bad. Uh, I don't know if it's actually that. Is it really that hard? It doesn't look that bad. I don't know. Maybe the controls are ass or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but either way, it's a meme game. It's yeah, it's it's on Switch now, so you could play it. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, now we got the big the big boy. Uh, yeah. They pretty much recapped everything, and then they're like, all right, we got one more announcement. And then I was like, all right, what is this? And then I saw Paper Mario, and I was like, what is this shit? And then I saw the Thousand Year Door thousand characters, year and, door, I was like, yeah. and I was like, is this Thousand Year Door? And then I was like, holy shit, it's a Thousand Year Door uh, remake, enhanced graphics, whatever you want to call it. It's coming out in 2024. This is a huge fucking dub for paper mario fans because this is like they will die on this hill to be like this is the best one ever this is literally the best one ever and you know it is so hard to get because it's so expensive on the gamecube physically obviously you know you you can play it on dolphin emulator or whatever but it's not the same it's not the same for me personally you know i don't want to sit at my computer monitor playing it with the nice fancy graphics i want to play it on on the fucking dog shit crt (laughs) on my gamecube you know and now we're gonna get it on the switch with enhanced graphics and i think that that is awesome it's actually funny that I've never beaten Thousand Year Dory. Uh, I, 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 I have played and beat uh, Paper Mario, the original, uh, Super mm-hmm. Paper Mario, and I've played like half of Thousand Year Dory, but I've never finished it for some reason. Uh, I, I own it physically. I have the physical game like there mm-hmm. like I, for GameCube and all that. I have the plane trade sticker that shows it for like $15. I'm like, <laughs> I get fucked. Because <laughs> <So, laughs> now I can sell this shit for like a lot of money, but I won't do that. Um, so I think this is really cool. I mean, I, I'm so happy Nintendo is actually releasing good, even though they're remakes, and I know people are probably going to play too many remakes and stuff. I get it. I get it. I get it. But whatever. I'm so happy that we're getting actual Mario RPGs again. It feels so good to get good <laughs> Mario RPGs again. Even though they're remakes, you know, Mario RPG and mm-hmm. this are both remakes. But they look great. They look so good. The graphics yes. of Thousand Year Door look so good. Like, they basically took, like, the best thing about modern Paper Mario, which is the graphics. Like, because, yeah, Origami King looks fucking great. But the game is still, like, whatever. Like, it, <laughs> like combat still sucks. Like, it's whatever. Uh, but you take those graphical improvements and put it to a good Paper Mario game. And then we're, we're cooking now. Like, it looks so good. <laughs> and I'm actually excited to actually, like, actually finish this game now. I can actually play through the mm-hmm. whole thing. Because I haven't done that before. And um, I'm surprised they're, like doing thousand year door i thought they would do their original paper mario first then go thousand yeah. year door mm-hmm. but they're just like nah we, we know people want this one instead so we're gonna do mm-hmm. this one instead so um yeah i think it looks great uh i know argument too many too many remakes and whatever but uh, dude whatever i'm just gonna take it <laughs> <laughs> I, i've never been the one to actually complain too much about video game remakes because usually they're like better than the original and they look so good yeah um mm-hmm. so i've never been one to actually complain about that but uh i know a lot of people are but you know whatever i'm excited hopefully we could get like 
good original Paper Mario's again. Like, I know Origami King is, like, okay and stuff, but nah, man, I, I want it like this, you know? <laughs> like, I want, it, I want it like this. Um, you know, bring back Mario and Luigi as well. Like, I, I love that series. I, like, Bowser's Inside Story is so good. Like, I want more. Yes. So please, mm-hmm. <laughs> please yes. give me more. I'm but, thinking yeah. that they decided to do this game, not just because it's so beloved and fan favorite, but I have a theory that they're going to put Paper Mario on the N64 on Switch Online at some point. Between yeah. now and the game's release to, you know, get people excited to play Paper Mario again. So, um, yeah, you know, Thousand Year Door, I have heard its praises sung way too many times. I'm sure yeah. that they're going to do some things differently. Hopefully it doesn't ruin the game. Um, just because, you know, every single time Nintendo re-releases something, they always add a enhancement, add something different, add something new to make it different from the original GameCube version or whatever. So, you know, Thousand Year Door, I cannot wait to see uh, more of this game. I wonder what they're changing and what they're adding to make this game a remake, remaster, whatever it's called. Uh, because, you know, people people love this game. And if they change nothing, I'm sure fans would, would be very happy, you know, because yeah. this is like their sort of die on the hill, perfect Paper Mario game by far. I mean, I played Super Paper Mario. I played fucking Sticker Star. You know, I played... Yeah. God, a, Sticker a, Star is so bad. <laughs> a good number of, you know, I guess modern Paper Mario games after Thousand Year Door, but I've never... I've 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 never played this one, so it, it's just kind of nice to be excited for a Paper Mario game again because that mm-hmm. sticker star burned me so fucking hard. Like, yeah, they talk about like you know when people like swear out like don't pre-order stuff like that's like my game. I'm like fuck, <laughs> like this, this sucks. I hated Sticker Star, and you know every time people say oh but Color Splash and Origami King are better, I'm just like nah man. Like, I know I know Kofi agrees with me with this. Like I just feel like they they focus way too much on the oh it's we're pay- made of paper. I'm like that's not why I play the game. Like it's a core aesthetic. <laughs> Like and I think it looks really nice, but like I feel like it's still like an RPG at the end of the day, and uh, you know, yeah. and there are good ones at that too. So like I would like to see more of that, please. And it looks like they are. So very excited for this. Um, really excited for the like, the, just a lot of great Mario stuff in general this year. You know, it's yes. been a good year for Mario. So um, anyone complaining there's there's too many JRPGs, there's too many farming. Shut up. We got a lot of Mario stuff this year. <laughs> so don't complain when I get my Xenoblade like fucking four next year. Right? It, it won't happen. <laughs> but I'm just saying. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. There is a lot of Mario coming out, and I was very surprised that they dropped this one. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I guess we'll move on from there unless you got something else you want to talk about. Uh, no, that, that's about it. Uh, pretty okay, direct. You know, like that was a really good surprise at the end, but uh, yeah, it was, it was decent. Okay, so now we're going to quickly wrap up our uh, week, weeks, weeks on um, weeks discussion of my adventures with Superman. We're going to talk about the final episode, episode 10, the finale. So, yeah, I mean, I think that the show as a whole has honestly been delivering, you know, and the finale once again does that as well. You know, it sort of closes up the arc of uh, Clark finding out about the orb and actually f- uh, figuring out like what that vision of the evil him would do and, you know, sort of how he deals with that and sort of figuring out uh his past more and this sort of uh i guess like kryptonians or whatever and you know mm-hmm. they actually do invade you know if you want to you know meet the parents it's always good to do it on thanksgiving i think oh, that, yeah. that was like okay. a very a very subtle sort of date that they decided to put it on and also it, the the episode sets up what's going to happen within the next season with their like i guess like real lives because now they're like actual journalists at the mm-hmm. daily planet you know they actually moved up from interns to actual jobs and that's pretty cool uh, to see them actually you know progress within that aspect of uh their lives as well but yeah, I mean, I think overall this episode really did deliver on pretty much everything that you could want from this show as a whole. You know, it had the drama, it had the, the story, it also had some pretty good action. 
yeah, I agree. I think it was a really good finale. Uh, you know, I think it really did a good job just focusing on like the, you know, like the major characters of the show and stuff. Like, you know, the last two were great for like more of the big, big action set pieces and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think this was an, obviously had a really good action as well, but it was also good just for like a uh, sort of like, yeah, like this is what's next for the series. Like, this is what's going to happen and stuff. Like, everyone knows that, you know, he's, but all the pe- people important to Clark right now, he's Superman and stuff. So when season mm-hmm. two happens, to go full steam ahead and stuff. And I think that's great. Uh, I, I knew like the general was going to be Lois's dad because I, I feel like it was pretty obvious at that point. It was just like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, he was just like this guy and stuff. And they kept mentioning the general this stuff. So I'm like, oh yeah, she, he's the dad. And then he was. So, um, but it's cool that he has a, you know, like a good heart at the end of the day. He's just mm-hmm. kind of traumatized with the alien invasion and I would be too. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think it did a lot of the kryptonite, like the crypt- kryptonite shit really well. Like it really shows that it really fucks like Clark up. Like, you know, um, yeah. grow all the crystals on him and stuff. And, you know, it really asks you a lot of questions, like, what's going to happen next? Like, who who are these people? Like, how is this all related to, like, him and stuff? Obviously, if you read the comics, you probably would know <laughs> and stuff. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they always do things differently in these uh, new iterations of these characters. So it's really, really interesting to see. There's also, like, Jimmy, I guess, is just, like, a millionaire now because he, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he has, like, a bunch of money from selling flame birds. So that's, that's cool. It kind of reminds me of the plot point from Steven Universe when, like, Steven's dad just got rich, like, in one episode. And then it just became a plot <laughs> point where he could just kind of buy whatever for them. So that's pretty funny so i guess that's just gonna be a thing now um yeah but yeah i thought it was great like i thought a lot of the emotional stuff was really good like with like uh him and lois i, I really like their relationship together uh mm. I, I really like you know clark's parents as well like his you know his i guess his human parents like they, they look really mm-hmm. nice and caring and shit um yeah. and yeah i think all the characters are just great in the show like you know i obviously like the show you know they you know the whole lois stuff with her figuring out about superman might have you know I guess brush people the wrong way, but I still feel like she's a really solid character. I feel like everyone is yeah. like in this mm-hmm. show. Um, like I was saying, like I, I think Clark, you know, Superman in general is is like one of the highlights of the show of being like a really like good character. Because again, I, I don't really read a lot of Superman. I don't really like consume a lot of Superman, but he's always been portrayed as really stoic and stuff. And I think having this more like uh, I guess sensitive side of the character is is like more engaging to me. I guess. Uh, but yeah, overall, it's just a super solid show. Like I, I I've really been enjoying it a lot. And um, I hope it's, uh, like, successful enough to get, like, a really nice, like, run. Like, I don't want it to be... Like, I think it's guaranteed to get a second season. But, like, hopefully it could keep going after that so they could tell the full story they want to tell, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I don't want another spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah, I was going to say that. I don't want another spectacular (laughs) Spider-Man situation. So, please. (laughs) Don't do this to me. But there's no deals going on, right? So, you know, it would only get canceled internally. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, you know, I think that, you know, the show as a whole has been awesome fantastic been delivering on pretty much making superman a much more relatable character to modern audiences and you know uh you know just making him a much more likable character and get people much more invested into superman as a whole and um i think that this finale was great you know i had no idea that the general was going to be the dad i was kind of confused at first i was like that's the fucking general right and then like clark straight up said it i was like oh okay Good. I'm not stupid. Okay. Good. Okay. <laughs> I, I kept um, mentioning it to general this episode, I'm like, and like Lois's dad is me. I'm like, oh, he's definitely gonna be the dad, and I'm like, oh, there he is. <laughs> so. Yeah. And she was like, I'm gonna help you find the general. I was like, uh, he's right there. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's right by me. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, what do you look without glasses? I was like, that is that is way too on the fucking nose, bro. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, also Jimmy just becoming a millionaire. I think that might be a, a, a plot point within the next yeah. season. I think I think uh, Daily Planet's gonna like mess with it too much, and because he sold it off, he's not gonna have like creative control over it. So now yeah. he's gonna be like, fuck, man, like my thing that I sold millions of dollars for was it actually worth it? You know, kind of thing. I hope that that becomes like a plot point in the next season. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I, 
I'm excited to see where this version of Superman takes us. Uh, and yeah, you know, it's going to be sad that we're not going to get more episodes for a bit, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I have had a really good release schedule though. Like it's just a week after week. Like this, mm-hmm. so many other Western cartoons that come out when it's just like wait like forty fucking years until you get another. So Steven Universe. <laughs> I know I keep bringing up Steven Universe. But it's just it's, it's kind of I, I like that yes. show. Okay, so but yeah, mm-hmm. like the hiatus between episodes was so bad in that series. Uh, yeah. I'm happy this. I would rather just get the full season than like wait like a year until the next one. Mm-hmm. But either way, uh, really good show. I, I I really enjoyed it. Again, as someone that never really enjoyed Superman, this is this has been like really great. So yeah. All right, so now we're going to get into the final part of the show. Ahsoka, episode four and five, probably the highlight of the season so far. We're going to talk about spoilers because why not? Also, they've been spoiling it on Twitter rapidly. Star Wars yeah. fans don't know how to fucking shut up about anything. Oh, it was uh, like spoiler instant. Really. Oh, there's Anakin. Yeah, no, yeah, no, nope, nope, literally instantly, which is yeah. why uh, when episode four dropped, my girlfriend actually got spoiled because she went to go look up if like the episode was out and she was like, oh, yep, I saw something. I was like, yeah. okay, don't tell me. Yeah. So then when episode five was coming out because of obviously how episode four ended, she was like, we're watching the shit when it comes out, which we did. We watched it as soon as it came out because there was a lot of rumors and speculations about uh, a flashback to the Clone Wars. We're going to see Anakin uh, hitting Christensen in the Clone Wars outfit, which we did, and everything like that. But just like as a whole, before uh, I asked Damien what he thought of it, because he is a non-Clone Wars watcher, yeah. uh, I thought these two episodes were great, fantastic. I think episode five can stand on its own. You can really show that to anyone that loves Anakin and sort of loves Star Wars in general and sort of that side of the universe. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I'm just like, this is a lot of fan service, you know, like there's a lot of things going on here that, you know, it, it would probably still work within uh, animation, but because Dave Filoni fucking cooked, because this guy knows what he's doing, because he directed episode five so well, I'm just like, yeah, no, nah, this is like awesome. It's amazing. It's fantastic. I think I still like episode four more because it dealt with Ahsoka and her crew a lot. You know, episode five obviously has its standout moments, which, which we will talk about. But, you know, I just think that episode four is just a much better episode for Ahsoka as a whole. But I think episode five is just like awesome, fantastic fan service that you could really show to anyone. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Like, you know, episode four is obviously like with the main plot and stuff. So mm-hmm. like a lot of good, uh, good uh, lightsaber fights and stuff and, you know, them like lo- losing and, you know, I think a lot of the action in that episode was really good. And then mm-hmm. obviously, like, leaving to the uh, other galaxy and stuff. Like, obviously, like, I think episode four definitely is, like, the more, like, you know, if you're just watching it, like, it, it just makes more sense. But if you're, I, I feel like most people kind of know about Anakin and Ahsoka's relationship. Like, I, I don't feel like that's, like, too big of a disconnect for a lot of people yeah. um, at this point. Um, so, like, I don't know. I feel like episode five still, like, stands even as someone that doesn't watch it. Because, yeah, I think everyone fucking knows <laughs> that Ahsoka and Anakin were, you know, Padawan Master and stuff like that. And I thought it was great as well. You know, it's cool to see, like, the Clone Wars, even if it was, like, just a little bit of it be, like, sort of in live action, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Seeing, like, tiny Ahsoka, like, as kid form. You know, it's kind of funny because, you know... <laughs> <laughs> with animation and stuff whenever someone's like 14 or something like they kind of just look like like normal but in, yeah. in real life when you see like an actual 14 year old like, that is a child <laughs> like just like <laughs> engaging in war so that is fun but um yeah it was kind of cool to see ahsoka kind of get into grips with like what she needs to do and stuff and also really like anakin's character in um and sort of like this, I don't even know where the fuck they were. Like they were like in some weird, at the, so someone said like world between worlds or something. Yes, I, I'm like yes. okay, that's um, what it's called. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, I guess that's where they were. But um, you know, I, I like how they didn't portray Anakin as like sort of like a uh, purely evil guy because he kind of isn't. He kind of just like was misguided by a lot of things and like he has like right 
like opinions, I guess, on things. He's just like is pretty like they, you know they say he's very intense and stuff because obviously yes. he's he's Darth Vader and stuff, and you know he does <laughs> betray the, the Jedi Council and all that stuff. But um, I think you know he does have good messaging for Ahsoka. And I think he does like care for her a lot still. Like even though like you know all the bad stuff happened and all that, like I think he is still like try to be a, an okay master to her, even though with all the stuff that happened. <laughs> so um, and you know the show really well makes clear like yes he has Darth Vader. Here's his <laughs> red lightsaber. In here. I mean, I you know I saw people clowning on the shots where it's like I'm, I, I thought it looked kind of cool. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I mean, wait, wait, wait. you can. It's clown not subtle. On yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not subtle whatsoever, but it looks fucking yeah, it cool, looked, right? It does look cool. It looked yeah. cool. Yeah. Like Dave Filoni, my god, man, that directing was fucking insane. You know, like yeah. just like those flashes of seeing him as Anakin, and then it goes back to Darth Vader, and then it goes back again. I was just like. Man, like that was that was fucking awesome. Like that is like good fan service where I'm like, okay, yeah, like I'm I'm sold because it looked so cold. Like I was just like, man, that just looks so cool. So yeah. um but yeah, you know, just to like, you know, hammer it home to make sure that, you know, the audience knows that hey, you know, like Anakin was Darth Vader, you know. So I I guess it's needed for people that I really don't know like anything about Star Wars. Yeah, anything <laughs> about Star Wars. Like obviously I know a bit, so like I'm like, yes, I I, I understand. It, it looks cool. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, like, I get it. Like, I know, but for some people, it's like, what? He was Darth Vader? You know, I'm sure there's some people <laughs> that, that don't know that. So, uh, I, you know, I feel it was a necessary evil and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, overall, I, th- I thought episode five was really great. Like, I think, like, even as someone that hasn't, like, watched Clone Wars, I think there's enough, like, connection between Ahsoka and Anakin to, like, have it hit home still. So I think that's great. Um, and, you know, I, episode four, I think, had, like, a lot of great action and stuff. And now we're, you know, moving the plot forward now with uh, the next episode. So... Uh, I think these two episodes were great. Um, you know, really like showed like all the good things like that I'm sure people loved about Clone Wars and that was just here in live action. So I think that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm still I'm still a fucking live action hater. You know, I still wish that the show was animated. <laughs> yeah, it should have been animated. I, I do agree. Like I feel like there's not a lot of reason for it to not be animated, other between to get more people to watch it, right? Because more people yeah. are inclined to watch something that's not animated. So mm-hmm. yeah, one hundred percent. You know, I I just hate that there is still that stigma that people have with animation where it's like, oh, you know, like I don't want to watch it because like there's people out there that are like they should make a show and they show like live action yeah, Anakin. I saw, I saw that Ahsoka like, and then Rex. <laughs> And I'm like, there is a fucking show. It's called Star Wars The Clone Wars. It's an anthology series. It's a CGI animated show. You can literally jump between different arcs. You don't have to watch every single episode. There's also cool episodes with Obi-Wan Kenobi and obviously with Anakin, Captain Rex, and Ahsoka. But it's like, people are like, it's got to be live action. You know, you got to bring Hayden Christensen back to be Anakin. And I'm like, you don't have to do that. You want them to do that because you like Hayden Christensen in that role and you like seeing him as Anakin I do too but you know I think that you know within this episode or these two episodes of Ahsoka you know when I first saw him in in, uh, episode four I was like that de-aging looks a little rough you know he Mm -hmm. looks he looks a little smooth maybe they were doing it on purpose because (laughs) he's in the in the world between worlds but he looked a lot better within episode five Mm -hmm. um and even within the uh the uh Clone Wars flashbacks and things like that. So, you know, I understand why they did it within live action, but I still wish it was animated. But, you know, um, I still really enjoyed the episodes, obviously. You know, um, I still 
really liked what they did with Ahsoka's character within episode five to make it like, you know, her hearkening back to sort of be like, you know, she she still has this guilt in this sort of thing that she lives with where it's like, I could have saved Anakin or like I could have helped him within some way. But, you know, she was stuck on Mandalore fighting that battle because like you see it within the episode where she's like, but you were gone for like, you know, at this point, like you weren't here for this battle um, or whatever. And, you know, her point being like, oh, you know, is it because you went to the dark side? And he's like, you don't fucking get it. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> he's being kind of blunt with it, but yeah. she doesn't really get it at that point. But yeah, you know, just having her, you know, fight it, fight it out with Anakin and sort of figure out like what what is bringing her to this sort of, uh, you know, conclusion within her mind and sort of close that chapter within her book. And people were, uh, I guess, making comparisons when she like went back into the water with like, uh, I guess like cleansing herself with like, you know, baptism or some shit like sure. that. I was like, <laughs> you know, I guess, I don't know if you want to make comparisons like that. I'm not a religious person. I'm not going to knock you if you are, but you know, I was just like, okay, you know, like those are like pretty neat comparisons, but yeah, you know, Dave Filoni, he fucking cooked. He cooked, you know, just like writing this show as a whole. But, you know, every single episode that he has directed, episode one and episode five, it was just like, it's perfect, honestly. Yeah, it, it makes sense because, I mean, this is kind of what it's been leading up to. Like, I know this is like, you know, this is like his shit. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he, he loves this. Like, this is like his characters and stuff. Like, he he's really done a lot for Clone Wars and like these characters. So it makes sense that he wants to give them like the best possible thing he could with like this series. So that that's really cool to see. Um, you know, I know Twitter is always more critical about stuff like this, but I feel like <laughs> things are critical for are things that I'm like not. I don't know, like not that big of a deal. So uh, again, yeah. I, really, I really do need to watch Clone Wars. I, I know uh, I really yes. do need to watch the series. You don't have point. to watch every episode. You, every episode, you just have to watch the good ones. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It's fucking Naruto. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> but no, I, I think these two episodes are really good. Again, even with like just base knowledge, I think it, it was able to uh, hit pretty good. So uh, again, as long as you know, like Ahsoka and Anakin were like Master and Padawan. Like I, I don't really think there's much else you really need. I think the show actually does do a pretty good job of. Uh, getting people to haven't watched clone wars to like get it so even yeah. rebels because you haven't watched rebels and you kind of understand what's nope. going on right so yeah. yeah i understand what's going on with the rebel characters for the most part and you know i guess just going back to episode four with the other characters because you know obviously like the big yeah. point for uh the ahsoka show now is you know that episode with anakin because episode five wasn't theaters like that was like a thing and there were people lining out well, you know, shit, really? going out the door yeah no it was fucking crazy like i i didn't go there because there wasn't any within our area yeah but i know i know my girlfriend definitely wanted to go but she was like i'll watch it at home it's okay and I was like, <laughs> okay yeah that's fine that's fair enough um but yeah just like going back to uh the other characters you know that fight with uh sabim and shin you know that was pretty cool i think that sabim as a character when she was talking to balin that was like a really really like strong and powerful moment i'm sure for some people especially yeah. if you watch rebels where it's like she really does care for ezra and she's like you know she's supposed to destroy it, you know and uh her and uh ahsoka were supposed to stick together but obviously you know fucking he wang was like these motherfuckers they yeah, don't listen don't they listen. never listen they don't listen to my call outs <laughs> these motherfuckers do not listen so yeah. <laughs> um but yeah you know balin has been a fantastic antagonist you know he is very much like a sith lord that is understanding of like what's happening within i guess the other side you know with with ahsoka and sabima being you know being able to take control of those emotions of her and now you know i guess she's like a prisoner and she, hopefully she'll
she'll see Ezra. Who knows? You know, there's only like a few episodes left within the show. So, yeah, you know, now that we are moving the plot along, there are three more episodes just to confirm eight episodes in total. So we still got a decent amount to go. And I hope that they are able to actually stick this landing, even though after all of the uh, fan service stuff that we've now had within, I guess, like the middle of the season. But um yeah, you know, so far so good. I'm enjoying Ahsoka. Still wish it was animated, but you know, I'm not going to knock it for doing a lot of things correctly within its live action sort of medium because, you know, like you said, you know, seeing Ahsoka as like an actual child, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, no, she was like literally a kid in the yeah. Clone Wars. So. Yeah, you never really think about that because in animated, you know, it's, it goes like anime logic where it's like if someone's 14, <laughs> you're like they're 18 or something. So like, uh, yeah, when you see like, oh, yeah, she's just like a little child is weird. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I definitely really, really love that first talk that uh, Anakin and Ahsoka had within that first flashback within the uh, Clone Wars uh, thing because it was like it was like my first mission, and you know he's trying to you know teach her in a certain way of not just being a Jedi but also being a warrior and shit like that. So then because she was taught during the Clone Wars, she's like, is this all there is to be a Jedi is to be a warrior, you know? But like obviously like there's other stuff in there that I guess you know she maybe forgot about or maybe just didn't 100% click with her, but yeah, it's a great time. So uh, hopefully it does stick the landing. Uh, you know, I think... Uh, I, I mean, I don't think Star Wars shows have the same issue where, like, the finales are bad, like the like the Marvel shows do. But, uh, you know, I'm like, I mean, if anything, like, Mandalorian uh, Season 3 was, like, yeah, like, the opposite. Like, Marvel stuff was, like, the finale was great and, like, the rest of it was, like, kind of okay. So uh, we'll see how yeah. this turns out, you know. Uh, and, yeah, I'm just interested to see how, if they're going to continue with, like, Ahsoka as a character, or maybe she's done after this. Like, it's gonna be interesting to see what, what they do with her. Uh, if they want to just like maybe end her arc here, uh, because again, same thing with the MCU. I feel like nothing's ever able to end <laughs> in Star Wars, <laughs> and it kind of yeah. gets annoying. Um, but I guess we'll see uh, what happens at the end here. So, yeah, yeah, it is definitely weird just following like Star Wars media because like everything's canon to a certain extent. Yeah. But when it comes to like other things like spider-man or sonic or anything else that i really follow you know like there's ninja turtles you know like there's like multiple different versions of them so like i don't have to like follow everything so tightly but with star wars it's like all right well you know we made this clone wars show that's animated and it does tie back into like the main canon which is like something that i will honestly praise star wars for is something that they are always able to like go back and like not necessarily like retcon but like add like prequel stuff in there and like i actually have it for the most part makes sense like you know the clone war show is like fantastic in its own right and like this show is also doing that to a certain extent where it's like adding stuff to the end of ahsoka's story as well so yeah you know i am i'm enjoying the show like i said um and i cannot wait to see how it goes on from here because obviously we've had like pretty much probably like the best two episodes we've had in the show so far but you know Andor surprised us immensely with how good that show was. So I hope that they're able to do that with Ahsoka's character and the rest of the Rebels cast within the rest of the episodes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, hopefully it sticks the landing. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess we'll have to just see. Yeah. Uh, but is there anything else you would like to add, good sir? No, that's everything. All right. So thank you guys for listening to the Travis and Damian podcast episode 121. We will see you guys two weeks from now with another episode. Later. Later.